Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling World Talks podcast, the only podcast that brings you professionalism, insight, comedy, and the greatest co-host of all time, Dan Burke. How you doing, brother? I mean... You just blatantly lied to everybody because you said we have great insight. And I'm the greatest co-host of all time, and but our professionalism possibly, unquestioned, and our comedy somewhat questionable. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least we make people laugh if it's only That's ourselves. True. Exactly. Oh, we got we got the peanut gallery chiming in. So let me introduce the peanut gallery here. <laughs> He is uh, one of the greatest wrestlers you unfortunately did not get to hear of. <laughs> he was, for a long time, the going and raw champion, which usually leads to babies. But um, he made it out unscathed. He only <laughs> lost to Simon Miller. Who wait, you wait, have wait, heard of? Wait, 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 babies! What happened here? I'm lost. Well, yeah, going in raw. Oh, yes. For some reason, he's I also thought a Simon Millen was having a a baby, and Cal Jack was having a baby. I thought you meant that the woman is the belt has a baby. I was like, wait, what? What is this? What is he talking about? King of the losers. God damn it! See, you messed it up. You messed up the end. The, the, the intro. Start again. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't start again. Wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad. But hey, it's me. But he's also head. a visual effects artist who did have to edit out every single cat's butthole in the movie Cats. And <laughs> also, he was the reason that the internet was pissed off about Sonic's face. Give it up for Adam Mayhem, also known as my homie Robert Alomar. Hello, everybody. Let's 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 talk about the elephant in the room. I did not erase any cat buttholes. Okay, let's start with that one. And I had nothing to do with Sonic's original design. That was not me. But I did work on those two movies, but I did not do that. I did, however. Erase uh, Jason Derulo's ginormous bulge from his suits. That that I had to do, but that's not buttholes. My only complaint is, why didn't you erase James Corbin from the whole fucking movie? Hey, I erased freaking what's his face, uh, Rebel Wilson peeing, <laughs> like literally seeing pee coming out of her snatch. Okay. Me and a couple of other artists fought for that to not happen, and it did not happen. So you're welcome, America. <laughs> well, man, we got a great show today, and very excited to have you on, man. Thanks, um, thanks for having me. Here, last man. time you and I spoke, it was a bit different. You were in Korea, and it was like a eight hour time difference or something crazy. But uh, now we're on the same time zone. Things are a little bit easier. So let's jump into the bullshit. Sweet. Let's go. 
Robert, for those who didn't have the uh, uh, luck of following your career, because you had some fun stuff that happened, some great matches. You know a uh, one Simon Miller. Ah, uh, He gives you a golden up. Does he really? I I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I haven't seen that episode yet. You're going to have to link it to me. <laughs> yeah. He said, and if your name is Adam Mayhem, you get a golden up. Ah, okay. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, I guess I need to make like a plaque or something and just post it around here. Just like a big golden thumbs up. Exactly. Like... With his shiny bald head. Um, Talk about, do you miss wrestling? Because you went to Korea with the hope of wrestling there then you honestly fell out of love with wrestling and kind of changed everything 180 to your desire to become a fx artist which you've done an amazing job at that and we will definitely highlight a lot of your uh credits there because dude get your flowers you've done some great shit um but how did that all transpire so um so when I got to to Korea uh I got there because originally I had gotten signed by Dragon Gate to go work for them. Uh that's that's what took me to you know Asia. Let's put it let's let's put it that way. Um as we were trying to figure out the the contract situation when I was going to start all that right before that I was already planning on moving to Korea because I had been to Korea to wrestle and I love the country so I was I was already planning to move to Korea so uh Dragon Gate they were gracious enough they were like okay so let's do something let's send you like come to Korea we will fly you in and out you know you will come into Japan do a couple of shows We'll send you around to China. You'll do, you know, like a little bit of kind of like a like a welcoming tour around the different uh, countries to kind of get the 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 buzz going. And and then I would finally start working with them full time. That was the idea. Uh I get to Korea. Everything is 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 working correctly. Um I have I, I was getting a big, big push over there. Uh, uh, mainly because uh, we came up with the idea of, and by we, I mean me, I think I was, I don't even remember how I came up with the idea, but whatever. Um, we came up with the idea of what we called the loser weight champion, championship. And uh, basically, this, this was when the 24-7 came around, but our 24-7 title, the loser weight championship, was if you get pinned, you are the loser with champion. So you are the king of the losers because you just got pinned. So you get this group of people running away from this one big loser because they don't want to be losers. Right? So it, it gave us a lot of a lot of interesting dynamics. But the thing was that I come up with the idea. And uh, oh, because again, sorry. Forgot to mention this. When I'm in Korea, I'm one of the sen- the most senior people in that company. 
that company had been out for less than a year. <clears throat> so I started working with the office, trying to help out um, the booker and the owner. So since I came up with the idea, they were like, okay, who are we going to put this belt on? And they were like, oh, like I don't know, because no one's going to want to be called loser. I know it wants to be called a loser, but it wants to be called a loser. So I was like, you know what? Give it to me. Give it to me. I got it. I know how I can get this over. So lo and behold, the I'm gonna send you the link to the match because we do have a match. Uh, I had a I had sort of like a like a Miss TV segment before the match, right? And that's when the commissioner comes out and he explains the rules and blah blah blah. He says. And we're gonna have a a six pack challenge for for the belt, and whoever gets pinned last is the king of the losers. So, um, they come in, and he introduces everybody, and he introduces five people, and then the sixth one he says is gonna be you, because I was making fun of all of them because they as they were getting presented, I'm like ah like loser whatever blah blah blah, so. We do the match. I'm the entire time I'm outside. I'm like, I refuse to be a part of this fucking thing. But every now and then I come in and I get my shots in. Get my shots in and I roll out. And ha ha ha. And I'm laughing. And people are pissed off, pissed off, pissed off. At the end of it, I get a little bit too gun ho with beating everybody up. That when I turn around, everybody's looking at me. They give me, I don't remember what the they gave me boom, and they all pen. Uh, they pen me. All five of them pen me at the same time, as the time is running out. And at that point, I am the champion, and the crowd ate it up. They started calling me loser. I I went a little bit like kind of like Christian when he was doing his um, like right after he broke up with Edge, and he's wouldn't do it like his tantrums oh, and shit. Yeah, yeah, the crybaby thing. So I did a little bit of that, and. And everybody kind of ate it up. And we went with that. The entire couple of shows that I was the champion, I would come out sulking, refusing to to take the, the whole thing. Because the belt was bulky, ugly. The back of the belt had hair. It had a big <laughs> L in the front. It was it was the worst fucking belt ever. But it was it that was the idea, right? Because it was supposed to be a nuisance. It wasn't supposed to be a pretty belt. And like it had a, a poop emoji in one of the side plates. And I don't even remember anymore. Just yeah. So so yeah. So I got that 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 championship super over to the point where it was main eventing shows. And the whole spiel was main eventing shows. And I got to as the loser way champion, being like having like being losing constantly. I challenged the the quote unquote world champion. So like it was like it became a big thing. So the company was like, okay, like we can we can do something with this guy. So after I I lost the belt or won it, however you want to say it, they started pushing me. They gave me the rice uh the right uh riches to uh, the ashes to riches. Uh, briefcase, money in the bank, and I was slotted to to win the belt. And the idea was, I was going to grab the belt. I was going to go to Japan, 
Then after Japan, I was going to go to London. I was going to wrestle uh, Simon Miller again for the going in raw belt. At that point, that belt would have been considered an actual world title because he had been defended in three different continents. And I was unif going to unify it with the Korean, uh, the Korea company belt. And, you know, boom, the whole. So what happens right after? Right before we're about to do all that, we have a show in Japan where I got a little bit too excited in the microphone and people got angry at me. And sadly, one of these people were, let me see how I can, how I can say this without getting in trouble. Uh, was one of the guys that was footing the bill for the show who also dabbles with the Japanese mafia. He likes tattoos. Yeah, I mean, let's, yeah. let's just say it yeah. like that. There we go. Let's say it like that. Okay. Um. So that person did not appreciate my work, let's put it that way. And he threatened me and my now wife. She doesn't know this. She probably, if she decides to see this, she'll learn about it. Um, But yeah. He, this is all a play. <laughs> um, Yeah, so he threatened me and my wife. And at that point, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I am not about to to lose my head or have something happen for this fucking stupid ass shit. Like, I was like, I was pretty much, like, at that point, I was like, ah, whatever. Um, and then two weeks after that, I mean, the day after it happened, I asked for my release from my contracts. I got my releases. Two weeks after that, I got hired to go to Canada. And that's when I worked on Sonic and Cats. And that was it. And then I came back from Canada and COVID hit. So kind of when the world shut down, no one's wrestling. I was like, okay, I'm not wrestling, I guess. I guess that's exactly how I guess went. I'm done. I guess I'm done. <laughs> and and then I started working, you know, and yeah. I, and my knees don't hurt, my back doesn't hurt, my neck doesn't hurt. I'm like, you know what? This is better. <laughs> this is better you know and and that was it so that's that's basically what happened like do i miss it sometimes um sometimes it's it's like i would kind of see different people on tv right or, or sleep tv but you know youtube um you know i see people kicking ass like fucking um Ziki dice like Ziki, i, I love yeah. Ziki to death uh, he knows it. I tell him all the time. I'm super proud of him. Uh, because when I met Ziggy, people were not looking at Ziggy, you know, because Ziggy was not Ziggy. <laughs> and, and a lot of people kind of doubted him. So I'm really super proud of him for kicking ass. Like he's done fantastically. Uh, All of our friends in Canada just speak so highly of him. 
uh, a couple of promoters that we've talked to, uh, Cobra Kai and Spencer Love, they love Zicky Dice. He's, uh, when he's we talked with fantastic. Sin Bodhi, Sin's like Zicky. Sin Sin is is another one. Sin, I I, I fucking love Sin as well. Uh, but but yeah, like when I see people like them, uh, Jacob Fatu, Journey, because I've seen Journey doing some really good stuff. Uh, Cal Jack. Um, when I see some of the stuff that Simon Miller is doing, you know, when I see things like that, sometimes I go like, oh, like that's really fucking cool. Like I miss it, you know. Um, when you see videos of like fucking Jericho coming out and like the entire crowd singing Judas, like that just like oh, that's fucking cool. But that's it. Like, and and you know, being on the road with people like Cal Jag, like fucking Dave Dutra, like. Mike Rain, like like things like that. Yes. The wrestling per se and having to deal with shitty promoters and the long hours on the road and that body that I don't. Like that was, eh, eh, no. <laughs> but everything else, yes. Yes. That's the one thing I do miss. Did and you I ever do think, think sometimes about coming back? I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think so because I feel like, I feel like I would ask for a lot of money, but I am also not worth that amount of money. Now I'm, I'm <laughs> wrestling for fucking years. Like I haven't been inside of a ring since before COVID. Yeah, a lot of people we've talked with trained, started training yeah. when COVID happened, and it's actually really cool. And this isn't to like blow any smoke in your face, just how fast they're rising. But it's only the people who did not stop social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, that's, they were... that's that's how it is. That's how it is right now, and and that is part of. Now I'm gonna sound oh, back in my day. Get off my lawn. Um, but <laughs> like that is the good thing and the bad thing about wrestling right now. The good thing is that with social media, with uh YouTube, you know, with the internet as a whole, the doors of opportunity have widened, right? Um, if you think about it. In the early 90s, people like the Young Bucks would have never made it anywhere. Um, fucking Kenny would have never made it anywhere. You know, um, Finn Balor. You know, like, like they wouldn't because that wasn't the archetype. You know, they well, weren't. You had the, to be the, yoked to the, the gills. Yeah, had to be your arms going to go like this. Yeah, because you needed to sell the idea of this person can beat you up, right? That was that was the entire idea back in the 80s. When you looked at a wrestler, you were like, oh yeah, that's a wrestling. That meant it's fucking scary as shit. Like, that person is scary. So with the internet, that went away, right? It opened up more. Obviously, people like Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, you know, 
Bret Hart started to they started to show that you don't need that. Also, the steroid scandal forced Vince to stop going with the same type of people. Like, yes, but and obviously MMA showing that in a real fight, a small person like Royce Gracie could beat up anybody else. Right? These were all different aspects of the same thing that made it opened up wrestling so much. But at the same time, by opening it up, it messed it up. Yeah. Right. Because now you look at people, myself included. You were a wrestler? Like, really? Uh, There are... There are, we're at a, um, there are a lot of guys that I see in all walks of life in pro wrestling. And I think to myself that 30, 35 years ago, they would not have gotten broken in at all. They just didn't meet the archetype. And plus back then, a lot of the trainers, sorry to say this to some people that, you know, but. They, ch- they were bullies. They chased a lot of guys out. They would stretch them. They would beat them up for real. I mean, Hulk Hogan, he got his leg broken very first time that he was in a training session. He healed up, and he went back. That's when they knew he was serious. So and th- there's a couple of things, right? One thing, back in the day, you paid for training in advance. Right. So... It was in their best business interest to break as many people as possible. Because if you get a hundred people paying you a thousand dollars for training, and after the first week only one comes in, you just made a hundred grand and you only have to train one person. Right. Like that that's that's what it that's how it was. And when I started training, when I started training the first week of my training. I did not step foot inside of the ring the entire first week until Friday. On Friday, he let us, uh, me and the rest of the the new kids, there were like, I think that we were like 12, 15 in total. He let us get inside of the ring. It had no mat. It was just the, the wooden boards. And and plastic bags, like from the supermarket. That was the only thing. And he taped a an egg to our lower backs. And we had to take bumps without breaking the egg. Right? He's trying to teach you to arch your back so you don't hit your lower back and mess it up. Right. But you're bumping in pure wood. And these are your first bumps. Your first bumps. And after you successfully took five bumps without breaking the egg, again, this is when you're learning how to bump, meaning you're always breaking that fucking egg. You don't know how to do it. After doing it for five times correctly, then... He would make you take a back bump from the second row. Again, on the woods. two wood. Uh, and then and this is he in Puerto went, Rico? Yes. Uh, and then he went, see you guys on Monday. 
that. Obviously, on Monday, there was three of us left. Because that's the thing, right? It's the same thing with the gym. You go to the gym. If you keep going while it hurts, you're fine. But the second you sit your ass down and you let all those things hit you, all usually over the weekend, that much pain on Monday, you're like, fuck this. Yeah. And that's what he wanted to do. And that's what he got. He did it. Every single year. He ended up always like probably one or two people trained, but he paid, but they all paid the entire tuition. So, but at the same time, that gave us a lot more of appreciation for things, right? And, and, and I don't want to, I, I, I'm not the type of guy that thinks, oh, if I had it tough coming in, you have to have it tough too. I don't think that way. But sometimes, you know, like sometimes you kind of, you kind of need to get, for, right? yeah, and, 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 and sometimes you need to kick their asses during training. So they kind of, kind of snap back because this is a serious matter, right? People's lives are at stake here. Like you need to take this seriously. And if you're all loosey goosey, you're loosey-goosey with my life, man. Like, no. So I was always, and you can ask the people at, at um, in, in Korea that I was always, I, I helped train people there. I was firm. I was strict. I was nice, but I was strict. When we are training, we're fucking training. Don't hold on to my ropes. You know, like, like, and again, dumb shit, but it's things that create some sort of discipline. And it shows you, I had every single time, wipe your feet when you come into the ring. Again, it's not a big thing, but it just gives you this Feels little respect. bit of, of respect. Correct. And you're like, okay, like what I'm doing right now, it it's serious. Like this is not a joke. And I never had anyone complain at least to me about the way that the way I train people. At least they, they never said it to me. And one thing that, that I can pat my back is that the kids that I helped train in Korea, none of them has gotten hurt yet. Do they also talk to you? Yeah. Yeah. And none of them has gotten hurt. How does that make you feel? coincidence, however you want to see it, it makes me feel great because that's what I, that's one of the things I preach, right? I wrestled for 15 years. Yes, I had concussions, you know, I, I, I broke my nose a couple of times. I slit my, my fucking lip open, like, but I never had any major injury in 15 years. And then you see kids coming out. There's this one person. I'm going to keep calling them person because I know that if I say the pronoun, people will understand and know who it is. So I'm not going to say. But that person comes out of a very reputable school after six months of 
intense training. The person, the person starts wrestling, getting booked up and down, three months in, ACL jacked up. Person has to come and get out of wrestling for a year, get surgery. Here is person doing a GoFundMe campaign because person is broke. Person finishes rehab, comes back to wrestling. Couple months in, hurt again. Now person needs to be out in the shelves for a couple of months. Comes back again, hurt again. Said person got hurt four times. Is this Chris Statlander? No. <laughs> four times in three years. <laughs> four times in three years with one ACL repair job. And this person, I believe, has to be like 25. Wow. But what's the problem? Schools want to push out students as fast as they can. And they don't teach them the correct skills. I mean, it sounds like the performance center to me. Then you have the other problem. <laughs> the other problem. Do, do you not agree, Dan? I mean, I do and I don't. <laughs> I'm not so, trying to... So here's here's the here's the thing with the performance center. I I, I get <laughs> why they're doing the way they're doing, but the problem is that they is what I call overcompensating. I get hiring athletes. Okay, I get it because ninety five percent of the wrestlers. Before they were wrestlers, they were some sort of our athlete, mm. right? Football, basketball, track. Because when you when you're six years old, they don't sign you up for for professional wrestling. No, they don't. That's what they should be doing. Oh, they should though. Oh, brother. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I get it. Now the problem is that now they're just grabbing only athletes, right? Mm. And this is going to tie up with what I was going to say, which is the other problem with schools right now. Schools right now are not schools. Life right now is all about the the getting viral, right? The TikToks, the fun shit on on video, the the viral crap, right? So they grab these females usually, and they start training with male bases. Because they want to do all the flippity doodads, which is fantastic. Practice. You've talked about this before. Yes. Practice it. Do your thing. Be amazing at it. But remember that in a wrestling match, most of the time, you're not going to have a male base. And a big chunk of the of the work of a, of a move is the base. So you get all these females. One example, Liv Morgan. She goes down to Mexico to visit friends. And then you see her doing all these flippity do that with Mexican dudes. 
Mexican dudes are the greatest fucking base ever. Have you seen the amount of shit those guys do? Yep. They're amazing bases. So then Black she Taurus. thinks she thinks she can do all these flippity do that. And then she get in the ring and freaking Saturday night's made of her, whatever the fuck the name is, with Aliyah, which again, she could be a great athlete, but she's not a great base. And then she wants to do all these flippity do that. And either she gets hurt or Aliyah gets hurt. And I'm just using them as example. It's insert wrestler heat. And that is a problem. Schools come out and they're like, oh, what is going to be your finisher? I remember one guy telling me on his second week of training what his finisher was going to be. Oh, God. I looked at him. I just went, brother, learn how to run the ropes. Like, I get it. We all want to, we're all thinking about a WrestleMania moment. But learn how to run the ropes first. And, and, and that is a problem. When you see all these, sadly, people who are not trained correctly, it's because they get trained really fast by insert name here. Insert name here wants the, oh, Look at how good this person is in only six months. So they give this kid a, and this happened in Korea with a kid I did not train. They gave them this whole, it, it, it looked like a freaking macho man uh, notebook. A big, a long ass spot written down step by step. Duck, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. And they practice it. They practice it, they practice it, they practice it, they practice it. When the fucking thing was down to a T, they took a video of him. Oh, you're ready to have a match. So they make this video package hyping the kid. And what did they show? The whole fucking sequence that he had practiced a thousand billion times. Oh, God. The first match that he has out there with the head trainer. And what did they do? The whole Everything. fucking thing, the same fucking thing that they practiced a thousand times. Great. Second match, the kid is wrestling another kid from the school. He didn't know the routine down to a T. Kid landed on his head. Now jacked up his neck three months out. Oh, boy. It, it, I mean... It's. I look at the PC and I look at a lot of these schools, but this PC especially, they're only teaching these people one style. Yeah, that's it, and that's WWE style, nothing else. Which, yeah, that's their style, but at the same time, it's like there's no uniqueness about it. There's no. none. You know, it's just A, B, C, and that's you know okay, but. At the same oh, time, it doesn't so choreograph too. Oh, yes, without question. And it's it's the pro again. It's just and it's a it's a product of the environment. Again, right now we live on short TikToks, viral little pieces of things. Right, if you take a TikTok of an old school wrestling match. It's not interesting because you're going to see probably one punch. 
in the whole fucking TikTok. One punch. And they sell that fucking thing forever, but that was it. But if you take a TikTok of freaking Will Ospreay doing 37 flippity doodads with some other dude, that looks fun in a video. And that's the problem. Everybody wants that, right? Everybody wants that. Everybody wants their their wow moment. But is it really a wow moment? But I think that's where the business is too. Yeah, um, and that's you know? it. yeah. It's it's yeah. the product of the environment. Like it's not it's not the wrestler's fault, right? When when the Hardys became got a boon, a whole lot of independent wrestlers started using jeans and and a t-shirt. Oh, God. You know, it was so overkill it, for about but five years. Even Zandig did. Yeah. Oh. Everybody was even wearing fucking the, Zandig. The the baggy pants with the t-shirt and the I'm the ultraviolet icon, Jeff Zandig Hardy. Yeah. So can't believe I just did that on camera. <laughs> Someone's gonna give that. And I'm gonna say that, <laughs> but yeah, but that's a product of the of the of the environment, you know. Like, this is a product of the society. That's what was in, and everybody did that. We live in a society. That. CM Punk <laughs> did that, right? CM Punk did that things too. Ray Mysterio did it. Hey, it, look it, at look at Sting. Yeah, I mean. I don't know how that man does it, but yeah, yeah, that's it's just a product of the the product of the environment. But but it, I don't know. Like I, 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 I don't said, know where right? we're going. I don't know where we're going with wrestling. I don't. I I think I know. Okay, <clears throat> give me a minute here. Hey, Robert, bro, it's good to see you, bro. Oh Christ! Here's the thing, bro. I know wrestling. You don't know wrestling, bro. <laughs> You want to bring wrestling back to 1997, bro. Me and bro. Ed Ferrara, me and Ed Ferrara, we were doing bingo stacks numbers, okay? Yeah, yeah. So calendar on a pole match. If you grab it, you put you put the calendar whatever year you want it to be. Boom. Bro, how'd you <laughs> know about make... my idea? <laughs> who who leaked this to you? Is it Meltzer? Did Meltzer give you that? Was it Wade Keller? I was that was chick magnet feel. <laughs> was it Cornette that motherfucker? That motherfucker. Hey, you don't call me a motherfucker, asshole. <laughs> Brian, if I get my fucking hands on that motherfucker, <laughs> I'ma piss on him twice. Once alive, <laughs> once dead. Once alive, Son of a bitch. Dead. Nah, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's I, I don't know, I don't know how we fix it. In all reality, I don't know how we fix it. I well, don't know you, if it's fixable. I mean, we're in the middle of a not. wrestling boom. Is it fro? Is it broken? <laughs> Did you we, just say we're like, in the middle of the we're in the middle of the boom? Really? I in my the way tickets, that um, ticket I mean, sales money way yes money money wise, wise yes. yes money wise yes, but I don't think we are in a in a you know in an actual wrestling. Uh, boom! You know, because well, the think... the wrestling itself isn't getting any better. But I I, I don't think it can. More people want to the... see it. So what does that mean? <laughs> okay, but I... here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
do more people want to see it because it's more interesting or because it's being more available to places? I think because it's a that's the both. thing. Because if you all of a sudden you have the Indian market where you have what six billion people, yeah. Even if you tap into ten percent of that market, your numbers are going to go super high. Mm. So we spoke to a talent in India a couple uh -huh. weeks ago, and it's so fascinating to me. And Dan, I I know you found this episode fun too, but just hearing the machinations in his mind of like who he would like to see if WWE came there, right? Yeah. And who other Indian people would pay for it. And he goes, legitimately, he's like, if you give us Roman Reigns, John Cena, the stadium is sold out in seconds. Just two guys. Don't even have to name the card. Just put those guys in the car. You don't even have to name who they're facing. The building sells out. But it's also because... It's new, right? I, not new, but for them, see that for them life, it's new. Yes, it's new. Boy, it's they the still think thing. it's real. It's the same thing with us in Puerto Rico, right? In Puerto Rico, they're filling out the the Coliseum every time they go there, but it's because they go once every few years. Yeah, but in the states, for example, where in one week you can have five shows. It dilutes the product. So you don't care as much. Now, India is new to them. Seeing them live is new. China, you know, uh, all these new places. You're going to get just because it's novelty. Just because it's China. novelty. China. But it's China. But <laughs> China. If you, China. What you need to do what you need to do is to actually get people excited in the states. Yeah. In the states and get new people, get new people and keep people, right? Because that's the thing. WWE right now, it's fantastic at making new fans. But those fans don't stick around for long. Those lifelong fans are very few and far between now. I, I, they're always going to have their base. They're always yeah. going to have those lifers. It's just going to stick out. Yeah. You know, somebody like me, cause I don't see myself, you know, I, I just hit 40. So it's not like I'm going to sit there. I'm really too old to find something else. I'm in. <laughs> you're like, you're you like, oh, whatever. It's trash, but whatever. It's my trash. Well, no, it's like, yeah, because the, for a long time, it, it, is it going to be what it was in 98? No. Is it going to be what it was in 89, 87, 85, 84? No. It's never going to hit those heights again. It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. But I think with, and I th always think about wrestling's future because now you have this generation again, you know, the future generation of talent that's going to want to get into it. You think about the guys that they've kind of want now to, you know, we grew up uh, guys that like Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and that type of stuff. They're nearing their end almost. Yeah. You know, they're they're winding their careers down, where or they're just they're in what they would be called the twilight and taking less bookings and that type of stuff. Where I I don't know what the future generation, the guys currently, are they going for the Kenny Omegas, or you know, do they want to be Seth Rollins? Do they want to be 
um, a Cody Rhodes? Like, what what is their who's the guy that now they want to follow? Because 20 years ago, you could go to a wrestling school and somebody would be like, yeah, I kind of want to be like, you know, I saw The Rock on TV and it just changed my life or like, yeah. you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. But what about now? Like, are they sitting there and they thinking, well, I want to be like John Cena. I don't think that. I think many people, people might but... want to be an amalgamation. Yeah. They want the charisma of The Rock. Yeah. They want the ability to push merch like Stone Cold. Yeah. They want the flippies like Jeff Hardy. And they want to go over. That's it. Yeah. You know? But that's not going to work. Physically, physically, it's not possible. It's not possible for, I think he... he I think we lost we lost John. Um physically with let's take let's take an example. Apollo Cruz. Mm -hmm. He's an amalgamation of that, right? Kid got charisma. He's as athletic as oh hell. He's Tremendous. strong. Yes. Is he over? No. I've always felt like he should be over because I look at him and I'm just like, he's money. You just look at the guy and you think that's money. You're just printing money. And then, but there's some guys that they have that look, but it's just, something's not clicking. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why Apollo Cruz did not work and will not work sadly. Because they made they let him do too much. They let him do too much. Brock Lesnar could do a shooting star press. Correct. How many times did he do it on TV? Well, tried he once. once. <laughs> tried once. He tried once. I think after that they were just like, ah, you're done. Uh, we're not doing that, that. But besides that. It's because there is such a thing as suspension of disbelief, right? And this is what we do when we watch movies, correct? Right. When we watch Gladiator, we know that Russell Crowe is not an actual Roman gladiator. We know right. it. He's like, not? We're not stupid to think that he's a... a I said John, apparently. <laughs> um, Wait. So, the man fights around the world. He's fighting around the world. So we know that, right? But but we're fine with that suspension of disbelief. But what would happen if when fucking uh Joaquin Phoenix, whatever King Emperor, whatever his fucking name was, if he goes to chank Russell Crowe in the back and he's wearing a Rolex? Right, you gotta be like, what the like? The Roman Caesar did not wear Rolex. That Rolex did not exist. Like, yeah. what the fuck? And that's gonna completely throw you out of it, right? You already know that he's not the real Caesar, but you're willing to not think about it. But you see the Rolex, and he's kind of like, what the fuck? So, what does that have to do with Apollo Crews and Brock Lesnar? When you see those guys, what do you expect them to do? You expect them to pick stuff up and put them down. 
right? Because they're big, burly. Do you put... And that's why Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar works because he grabs people and just throws them around. That's it. That's all they need. Now, Lesnar showed desperation when he had to pull out that fucking shooting star press again. Kareem. He's like, shit, like I'm trying to beat this guy and I can't. So I have to throw everything at him. That, to us and our brains, makes sense. Makes sense, right? You go, yeah, he's trying with his usual stuff. It's not working. He has to put out all the stuff. Now, you get a guy like Apollo Crews, who's ginormous, who you think that the only thing he needs to do is pick you up and throw you down. And now... He picks you up, throws you down. And before you can sell and tell people, ouch, this hurts, now you got to lay still because here he comes with some flippity do that. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Pick them up, drop them down. Boom, boom, boom. Once that's not working, then put something else on it. So you know right. who does this and does it well? FTR. FTR because they're does old this really well. Because they're old school. They work very old school. And that's the and that's the difference. Right? You grab people, Penta, love the man to death. But why do you need to hit me with a Canadian destroyer, then a pal driver, then a scoop slam? Then a Michinoku driver, then a corpse stump, like because after that, what's next? Are you gonna pull Stop out it, a gun and dead. shoot me? Like, are you gonna pull? If you hit me with all that and I kick out, <laughs> you have to shoot Gonzalez. me. You have to shoot me, like like the like the Canadian destroyer, Canadian destroyer, Canadian destroyer spot a couple weeks ago where I literally almost threw my phone across the room because I was just like, why? Like, they've already bastardized that move to the point of where oh, yeah. when Petey Williams Williams. did it, when Petey Williams did it, it was devastating. Yeah. That was, yeah. it looked like it was dangerous. It looked like a shotgun. When you, when you have now Ricky Morton in his advanced stage and... Dustin Runnels and his advanced. He does a code red. But it's still like <laughs> can be defined as a Canadian destroyer. And the only one really I think that does a really good one right now um is Adam Cole. But it's believable no. with him. No, don't you ever fucking say that that Panama bullshit is even Why? suspending disbelief. He jumps off the the middle rope for nothing. There is no benefit for him going off the middle rope. The reason why that move has been bastardized so much is because when you have people, like you mentioned, Ricky Morton, Dustin, who, let's be honest, are advanced age, and you see them doing this move, you are telling everybody in the audience that the only athletic person in this whole move is the person taking the move. Right. 
So you're already telling them this is fake. That's the Rolex. That's the Rolex. That's the thing that makes you as the audience look and go, come on, man. Like, I'm already suspending my disbelief to think that Ricky Morton can actually fight at his advanced age. And now you're telling me he's also going to do that. What else? A fucking 450 splash. Like, and that is the problem. That is Hold the on, problem. I'm getting... I'm getting word in here to the command center. Ricky Morton has performed a Phoenix Splash. Yeah. Oh, like, good Lord. But here's the thing. Why doesn't Ricky Morton do that? Because that would require him to actually do it. The Canadian Destroyer, the guy taking the move, is doing everything. That's why I never took that fucking move. But letting it have to jump backwards and land on my Where do you put Terry Funk doing a moonsault in his 50s? I mean, that showed that he can add because that's him. Yeah. That's that's him. That's a like, that's, he jumped and did it. Like yeah, that I didn't consider an overkilling of a move or anything like that. Because he did it and it looked great. And it also proved in his 50s that he was you gotta be a great athlete to be able to pull that off. It wasn't like where he, you know, and that was because wasn't that he didn't how skimp he on it. The the ECW belt. Yes. Yeah, no, right. he didn't. He wanted. He used it in the three way match. In the three way match, yeah. Yeah, and then when he beat Raven, he used a small package. Yeah, it was like but, an inside grip. But again, that goes with the story, right? He's right. trying to win this match. Everything else 50s. is failing. So he has to like fucking go to the deepest ends of his back. And that makes sense. That makes sense. But when it's one of the things that I always told guys when I was talking about booking matches, right? And 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 this is one of the problems that we got after ECW. Um, you know, I started in 2004, so I was in the back end of this whole hardcore bullshit that I hated right. for so long. Um, and a lot of people wanted to, you know, first, second match of the night, a hardcore match, because that was what was cool. Or like, we're going to start a rivalry, and this is our second match together. It's already a, a hardcore match. I'm like, why? If, if we're already beating each other with weapons on our second match, what are we going to do for our fifth one? Yeah. Like an actual, honestly, God, death match. Like someone needs to die. Like, what are, what are we doing? Where's the blow off? Yeah. You know, like a hardcore match, you know, shouldn't be the second match. It should be no. fourth, maybe even fifth chapter. Or maybe push it longer and have that right. be the last match. And that's it. Because every time you're going to have to one up yourself. So it's the same thing with the moves, right? If I start the match... And the first thing I do is that I come running. I hit you with a shotgun uh, drop kick. You hit the buckle in the corner. I go to the other corner. I come running. I hit you with a clothesline. I hit you with a bulldog. Boom, I wait for you. You come in. I hit you in the guts. I hit you with a sit-out DDT. Boom, I go to the third rope. I do a, a double moonsault. Hit it. Boom, one, two. Actually, not even one, two. I hit the moonsault. Boom, and you roll out. Oh, that's how we started the match? Like, what the fuck else am I going to do? After this. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? And then the other thing, 
which is one of the things that I always like. This is one thing that I always tell my students. What is the objective of a wrestling match? A regular wrestling match. What is the objective? To win, right? It's not to do flashy moves. It's not to talk shit to the crowd. It's to win. Why the fuck are you not pinning your opponent? You should be looking to win as fast as possible. You don't get paid by the hour. So something as simple and sit down, look at old school matches and even the new people, like new people, quote unquote, but like people like Cody Rhodes, people, Roman Reigns have been do, has been doing it lately. FTR, these people that do, that tell very good stories. In the beginning of the match, they go for a pin. And that, just that, I told people, my students a lot of times, dude, you start the match, tie up, headlock, throw him off, shoulder tackle, pin. Just that, show, lets the crowd know, oh shit, like, it's business. Like, we're not, we're not bullshitting around here. And those tiny things just work. You don't have to do a thousand flips. You don't have to do all these things. You do all these million flips and you see all these wrestlers, 36 years old, and they're done. They can't wrestle anymore. Knees shot, backs shot. How many wrestlers think about it in the last five years? Maybe a little, let's say eight years. You've heard booming on the internet. Booming. And yep. you're like, oh shit, these guys are going to get signed. And then all of a sudden, they disappear. And you're like, what the hell just happened? Like, this guy was everywhere. And then you check that when WWE wanted them, they did that physical and they found a thousand different things wrong with them. And then they quit. Think about it. Just think about how many in the last eight yeah. years. I heard about this guy, Adam Mayhem, that happened. No, too. nah, that's not what happened. He just wasn't good enough I mean, ever. Like, he just never got that call. <laughs> no, um, but think about it. Think about all these people that you're like, oh shit, like they're booming and they start running NWA and Impact and, you, and they start doing NXT shows and you're like, this guy's going so. And then all of a sudden, Gone. Disappear. Who's someone and, that comes to mind for you with that? Because hmm. you, we all three know people, but the audience listening might be like, "The hell is this guy talking about?" I mean, I do remember. Um, he, he might hate me for saying this stuff, but um, I remember uh, Mecha Wolf. Mecha Wolf was getting a lot of boom behind him when that uh first Cruiserweight Classic popped out, and and he was he was getting booked places and he was doing shows in NXT and he was he was he he had a match with Bar Baron Corbin when Corbin was was doing getting his push, and then he had a match at Two Hundred Five Live with Mustafa Ali. And I believe that was the moment when they were like really, really like looking at him. I think it was like 
first um it was like the first spot of the of the match something happened and his leg just and you could see him wobbling the rest of the match and he tried but and then after that now could be various reasons right i'm not saying that it was because he got hurt that he didn't get anywhere i don't i you know i know him we've talked but i never asked those things you know i i i never asked why you broke up with your with your ex if you tell me fine i'll listen to you but if you don't tell me i'm not asking like hey look, what, what, what happened like tell me not my problem um but but those things happen a lot those things happen a lot they, 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 and that's uh, off the top of my head. I remember that one. I remember also. Um, I mean, there's also other people who have got have not gotten signed because they're toxic as fuck. But that's that's another <laughs> that's another topic for another day. So you're saying we have to have you back for round two? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, no, no, I don't have to tell you who are toxic. You can just look online. You can just look online. But it sounds so much better coming from a respected gentleman like yourself. A trusted uh, source. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but okay. Um, no, no, but like, you, yeah, you, 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 you can tell. Like, you see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give one for example, for example, Tessa Blanchard. That <laughs> is, I mean, come on. You're, you just you just broke the bank on that one. <laughs> no one said anything about her and ever. I've never even. But but you know you know what I'm like, like she has she has the last name. Yeah. She has the last name. She has the pedigree. She can work. She can work. Excellent worker. Put but here's the thing. Put with the correct people, which yep. is a very important thing. Okay. This is the difference to me. Between a Sasha Banks and a bank and a Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch can get you a fantastic match with anyone. Sasha can only get you a good match when she's paired up with a good wrestler. Tell me a good mm. Sasha Banks match that hasn't been with Becky Bailey, Charlotte, Asuka, Kyrie, who are people that Objectively, fantastic wrestlers. Her and Willow put on a good match. Who? Willow Nightingale. <laughs> you guys can't act like you don't know the happiest wrestler. I know who Willow Nightingale is. I just find it funny that he didn't. He's just like, who? Uh, like, no, 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 no. Okay, here's the thing. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. When he said it hurts, I had no idea who it was. When right. he repeated, I understood who it was, and I know who it is. Yes. I know who it is. But was the match actually good? Yeah, it was good. Or was it decent? Was it passable? It was New Japan American passable. I'm going to fucking gift that face right there. I'm going to make a meme out of that. <laughs> I'm just saying... I'm just, again not shitting on the talent, not shitting on the talent, but is that? Like... I feel like I feel like Roberto and I have the same <laughs> uh, booking like ideology, like we share the same brain as far as booking is concerned. 
which I find is fantastic because anybody <laughs> that can talk to someone that's like-minded because it's like it's very rare that i find someone that like-mindedness because john and i differ on a lot of john and i are like a lot of the same things but then there are some things that we that he's passionate about that he loves and then there are some things that i passionately love but then those passionate things some of them we despise <laughs> one another, one another, each other, one yeah yeah, like he likes it, Terry. He's a but, big fan of Terry Bollea. But let's say, okay, let's just <laughs> can't to be, stand Terry. Just to be, just to be, you know, the devil's advocate. Let's say that that Willow Nightingale match was good. Mm -hmm. Let, let's just, just for argument's sake. What else? What else you got? How's the mother in Texas? <laughs> right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He may He's... he raises good points. Very good points. But we're going to get flamed by all the Sasha stands. And it's fine. Oh, Mercedes and, fans. And, and yes. they can and they can add me. They can add me. It's fine. We will give need, you out his socials later. But yeah, but he, you need to, again, <laughs> and I am open to a debate, and I am open to people changing my mind. But please tell me a a good, great, excellent match that Sasha Bank has had that is not with Charlotte, Asuka, Kyrie, Becky, or Bailey. I mean, to be fair, though, and, you know, let's not discount this. In WWE, because you got to pronounce it like Michael Cole. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> did they really ever have her wrestle anyone else? Was there anyone yeah. else that? Yeah, yeah. Did, don't, did they, don't, though? don't come at me with that. Don't come at me. She Damn, got played. Got receipts. She got play. She got a lot of play. She got a lot of play. Fucking. What did she do with Lacey Evans? What did she do okay. with Nia Jax? Is that really a barometer for anybody, though? No, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Have you seen the match between Shawn Michael and, uh, I don't know, insert jobber name here? Shawn Michaels can get you a fantastic match with anyone. Edge can get you a fantastic match with anyone. The Miss can get you a fantastic match with anyone. Show... Proof is in the pudding with fucking Logan Paul and Bad Bunny. Right? And an invisible John Cena. A invisible John oh. Cena. Right? <laughs> do, 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 do. Like, <laughs> like, those are people, those are people that can work. Those people can get you an excellent Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, fucking Chris Benoit. Right? Those are people. Those are great wrestlers. Yes. Those are great wrestlers because you can put them in there with whoever. And they Mr. Perfect. Right? Those are people that you could put them in there with whoever and they would get you a fantastic match. Charlotte, Asuka, Becky, Kyrie. Those are people that you put them in there with whoever. With whoever. And they get you a good match. Right. Okay, let's at, not... at the very at the very least a serviceable match. 
at the very least. I was going to say, there's some really shitty wrestlers. Correct. Correct. But I have seen people like Sasha where if you have them with anyone who is not an above average athlete, it's a stinker. It's a stinker. Well, the thing with the thing with the wrestlers though that you've mentioned is they could sell their ass off. I mean, those guys you mentioned, Brett, Sean, perfect. They could bump like no one's business. They could take someone who was fresh off the mat in a wrestling school. Tom McGee, Bret Hart, that famous you know, story. And they could make him look like 10,000 bucks. Canadian bucks, that is. Going back um, to what I mentioned about being a great face, right? Yes. Remember when I mentioned being a great face? You need a great face to look great. Well, and Hulk Hogan was a great bassist. He was almost in Metallica. Yeah, he was. He, he was. was. He, 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 he sang Stand Back. Actually, he played the bass. <laughs> he did play in that Stand Back. Bass. Stand back! I don't remember what that was. I see a lot of men drop. Baby, won't you drop? Baby, baby! Do you ever think Vince feels a shame? No. That was was a fuck you to every other territory promoter. Because that was in like 87. So that was in the height of like, I'm taking over the world. And that, that whole song was just written about him being like, Fuck you. It's yeah. gonna be mine soon. But you wanna it's know how, how you know how little shame that guy has? <laughs> well, he's obviously multi- with the NDAs. <laughs> he's a multi-million dollar company owner, right? Billion. Billion. He's no 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 but, but but at at the time of what I'm gonna talk about. Oh, right. sure, was sure. multi-million, the owner of a booming company, he's the hottest fucking thing on TV. And this man decides to piss his pants on national television. That's how little he cares. That's how little he cares. That's why he won the war. That's why he won. Because I'm telling you, he gave so little fucks that he literally pissed himself on national television just because he could. Well, I mean, I think, think about how many that you can't. I'm in. I'm in. The next person it's, to, it's to pee his pants on TV doesn't have a job anymore. I've seen Vince McMahon's ass more times than I've seen my own. Like with the kiss my ass cloud. Yeah. Like what about Rikishi? Like, all right. We've all seen Rikishi's ass probably more than anything. More times than we've wanted to count. Like it's just some of like, us are uh, a little bit too close and up up close and personal. Yes. You would have I to give me a based. if you have you'd have to give me a huge fucking bonus for me to be able to do that. Like it's well, like Dan, I want five grand. I wonder though. I had to do it. So you wonder yeah. how uh I got in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> it was from the lack of oxygen <laughs> oh, in thought, Rikishi's ass. See. And I thought it was because you had a night with Terry Crews 
And you know what they that say? You. <laughs> once you go, once you go black, you're gonna end up in a wheelchair, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. you, you actually took the stick face? The, the what? You actually took the stick face, you said? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, okay. At, at big time wrestling. Yeah. I had to. Yeah. I get it. It was, it, it was part of it. And, you know, and, and there's one of those things that you can say, like, yeah, it's nasty, but hey. It smells good. I did it. I. Is it an honor? Is the question. Like, is it yeah. one of those things though, where you're just like, ah, I mean, okay. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, right? Yeah. Like, 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 it's kind of. I don't want to call it a badge of honor because it's not a badge of honor, but it's, it's one of those of things. It, put them. Um, because like when we were growing up, right, we would see that on TV, and it would be like, ah, like. And just thinking to yourself, like, oh, like, if if young me could see me, and not yeah. young me like a like a Chinese exchange student, like young me, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, if they and if, you if, said if, my <laughs> jokes were bad, <laughs> that one was great though, <laughs> because young me is a great I'm gal. A magic trick. <laughs> I'm a magic trick. Oh, he's got a mute. Oh. <laughs> uh, so yeah like if you think about it it's like oh shit like if young me could see me now like doing this like the shit that i saw on tv oh that's pretty cool but, but yeah hey hey old robert yeah. you're suction cupped into a fat man's ass exactly <laughs> damn right i am how was it <laughs> oh brother you should see my hip it hurts <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's that ain't gonna work for me, brother. It ain't gonna work for me, brother. That's like three too many bumps. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 the good thing about getting old in wrestling. That's the best part. It's when you when you have to wrestle one of the newer kids and they come in and they tell you all these things that they have to do, and then you go, okay, so. We're not gonna do any of that. <laughs> We're not gonna do any of that. Uh, out of the ten bumps that you wanted me to take, pick one, which is the one that you really want me to take, and I'll do that. One. After that, I don't know. It's not gonna happen. And then you brother. look and you see it's a Canadian destroyer through a table. Like, oh, brother, that's not gonna happen nope. to me. No, not so, tonight. Story. When I was leaving for Dragon Gate, I had a couple of dates in California still open that I had to do. So I want to do it, you know, because but I told all the promoters, like, hey, like, this is my last show, like, I'm leaving. And I I very graciously I said, hey, I'm taking all the pins this weekend, you know, like, I'm cool. So I'm doing this three-way tag team tornado turmoil thing of a jig extravaganza. How many T's? It was like 37 and a half T's. <laughs> Um, don't ask me what the half was about. I just saw it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm doing it. And then they go, well, the, the end of the match is going to be a superplex with a splash, like a running splash. Like one of the guys gave me a superplex and his partner gave me a splash. I just looked at them and I just went, oh, brother, that's not going to work for me, brother. Because like, <laughs> I am not taking a bump from the third rope. 
what you want to do a suplex from the floor. I'll take that one. I'm not taking it from the third row. So that is a good thing about getting old in the business. That they can come in and be like, well, we're gonna do this. So no. <laughs> I might give you two bumps, and one of those bumps is gonna be a punch. That's gonna be the next one. If you say punch your soul, get it, two punches. Oh man, that shit. ain't gonna work for me, brother. It's not gonna work for me, brother. It's no. Uh, that's why I love. Uh, fucking. There's a guy in California, Johnny Butabi. Fucking loving him and 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 Coach Nugs. Huh. They were the premier talents on that shit. <laughs> I remember one day I I had to I had to wrestle Coach Nugs. And I come into him and he's like, all right, uh, tell me, brother, what, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do today? I just went, you know what, coach? You tell me because I don't want to talk. I don't want to start talking here for five minutes and then you cut off everything. So you tell me what you want to do. And he goes, you're a smart one. You're a smart one. We didn't do shit that match. But <laughs> the crowd loved it. So it's really ugly. I'll take it. <laughs> It's it's a thing. I love it. It's a good thing. So someone uh, that we talked to recently, that when uh, we I added them on Facebook, I'm like, oh, we have a mutual friend. Who is it? And I never expect it to be you. Sometimes I do. Okay. Wes Logan. Ah yes. Yes, beast. Yeah. Beast. Yeah. He weighs a. Uh, uh, 50 limb pounds. Uh, how much? 50 limb. 50 limb. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, yeah. So, um, yeah. Wes and I met at Cactus League Wrestling in Arizona. Um, Me and Cal Jack, we got booked for that show. It was in Arizona. So, Cal Jack and I decided to drive from North Cal down to Phoenix, Arizona. For this show and then back so we drove i think it's like a 16 14 hour drive we drive to the show um and the promoter puts me uh me west logan and sledge who is was at ring of honor until recently excuse me he puts us in a in a stable, and we were supposed to like run rough shot on the in the company. So we did a whole bunch of freaking in ring segments. They started pushing us that first day, but then when it came down to paying, the fucking promoter wanted to be sketchy about it and didn't want to pay me and Cal, two guys that just drove like fourteen hours to come here for a show. And we had already established that he was going to pay us the amount that he was going to pay us and he was going to pay for gas. And he was supposed to pay for a, a whole lot of shit. And he didn't want to pay us. So we had to... <laughs> Cal Jack basically had to intimidate him into giving us half the money. And I kept something of his until he paid us the other half. And then I sent it over. So, and then after that, we just didn't 
the guy never contacted us again because he knew that we weren't gonna. It's not. It was not gonna happen because he just fucked us over. But yes, Wes Logan, great guy, great guy. He's Sadly, funny. we didn't get to work a lot, no, but we did work. Yeah, we we came up with a freaking double team move like in five minutes. Like we were like, okay, we need to hit something. We're like, oh, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Pick him up. Okay, I'll do this, and then you kind of came up and fuck it, let's go. So. <laughs> yeah, really cool guy. Who's who would you say your best friend is? And I think we all know the answer here, but who would you say your best friend is still in the business? And then we'll pivot towards what you're doing currently. I guess I Cal, I guess, would be my my best friend in the business. Um Mostly because we 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 got to spend a lot of time together, mostly travel because we did travel a lot together. Um, I like to think I, I don't know if you would call it friend, um, but there are a couple of people that I feel that if shit came up and I needed help, like I feel like I could ask them and they would they would come help you know uh guys like dave dutra uh johnny butabi my brain uh the ref uh nuck nuck i feel those people uh freaking uh anthony rivera uh i feel those for the most part if something happened you know like they like they would they would come out and help. Uh Tempo from Texas. We we and it's again because we travel a lot for Booker T's school and his shows and stuff. But yeah, I think those would be like and Leva. Um yeah, I think those would be pretty much them. Yeah. Yeah. We we brought up Sin Bodhi earlier. Yes. Um is it true that that guy is just like He's Everyone amazing. knows him. And he's amazing. He's amazing. Um, He's... First of all, he's an encyclopedia. Um, I have him... Bronco number one from Puerto Rico. And Raven. As the three most knowledgeable people I've ever spoken to wrestling fights. Those people are wow. Like and they tell you things and they explain it and like it just clicks and it's 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 crazy. It's crazy how smart those three men are. And and Sin Sin and I thankfully I got to wrestle him twice. Um, and the first time I wrestled him, and this is why I, I held him up in such high regards. Um, the first time I wrestled him was about two weeks after my match with James Storm. Now, my match with James Storm at Best of the West was the beginning of a push for me at Best of the West. At that point, I was like, I beat 
Johnny Butabi, then it was James Storm, then it was uh, Owen Travers, Chris Bay, and I was supposed to like keep moving towards becoming the champions. Uh, so this two weeks, during that match, I broke my collarbone uh, during my match with, with James Storm. I didn't fully break it. I just dislocated it really bad. And you can see it in the match that it was like the first bump I take. And I land awkward because he gave me that slingshot clothesline. And when he did it, he pulled me a little bit to the side with his momentum. So I land on my on my elbow and my shoulder just kind of get jacked up. And you see in the video that for the rest of the match, I'm like protecting my arm. Like I'm doing, taking bumps, doing everything, but my arm is always brought in. So I jacked up my shoulder. And two weeks after that, I have a match. He is Funny Bone and Sin Bodhi against me and Mike Rain, who at the time had just beaten Funny Bone for the championship belt. So I was already in the main, in the mix of the World Heavyweight title belt. So I have this match with Simbodi, it's a tag team. And I told one of the guys that I had jacked up my shoulder, but I didn't want to tell Sin because we were in the main event. I'm wrestling a former WWE guy. You know, you don't want to tell them now, like, which is stupid. You should always tell them if there's something wrong with you. But so I'm there. Um and he comes to me at one point. I was stretching in the in a corner, like I didn't want to people seeing me stretch. He comes to me, and he goes, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Worse, great." He's like, "Ah, so that shoulder doesn't hurt." And I was like, "And he's like, I get it. You're hurt. You're trying to not." All right. Let's change the match. Let's work so that you don't have to take a bump that might screw you up a little bit more. And he changed the entire match. That man did not give me a single bump to protect me. A former WWE guy protecting a Joe Nobody. That's how you know when someone is a good person. He didn't have to do any of that. I was already winning the match. So he could have destroyed me if he wanted to, right? He could have done whatever. But he didn't. He didn't. Second time, I'm at the Impact Wrestling tryout in Vegas. And that tryout was complete bullshit. But when I was doing my match, he was my agent. They they separated everybody from the matches in the tryout and they gave us each a an agent. Thankfully my agent was Sin. Sin knew I could work because we had worked before. So they paired me up with this like six foot three guy. He looked like fucking Simon Miller, like a built 
strong <laughs> dude, you know, muscle. <laughs> go it up. Yeah, yeah, like all of those guys. And the guy is like, oh, I'm a heel. So I was like, whatever, I'll be a baby face, even though I always was a heel. So when we go to Simbo D, and he's like, all right, what you guys got going on? And he's like, all right, who's the heel? And he goes, I am. And he looks at me. He looks at the guy. And he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> it's like, what happens? Like, I've I've worked with him. He's a hell of a heel. He's the heel. <laughs> I was like, okay. So we're thinking about him. I told him, we're thinking about him going over. And he looks at me. Goes, no, you're not. <laughs> like, no, you're not. I'm like, you're gonna go over. And this is the, 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 the and he puts the entire match together. Allegedly, Sanjay Dutt, D'Lo Brown were supposed to watch the matches because uh, fucking Scott Damore because it was a triangle. Bullshit. When it was time for a match, they weren't paying attention. But one person who did pay attention, Sin. After the match, he sat down with me. And he went step by step. This was good. This was bad. This, you did okay. You could have done this. You could have done And it shows you, again, he paid attention. Everybody else was not paying attention. He didn't have to pay attention. He didn't have to take time out of his day, out of it. Out of, it was already, we'd been there for five fucking hours. Like, everybody was tired. Like, he didn't have to do it. But he did it. Right? And then we had a second match in Vegas. It was a one-on-one. And the promoter wanted him to go over. And he said, no. He said, he is your wrestler. He's the guy that's going to stay here. He's the one that you need to build, not me. I got my name. I don't need it. He needs it. You need him to have this. He gets the business. Right. Completely. Like and I said, that's why I always said it's brother. Like, it's good shit. Yeah. And and again, he will sit down with you and tell you what you did wrong, what you did right, and how to fix it. Same thing with Raven. Raven did the same thing with me when he was in Puerto Rico. And this was a kid that had been training for a year. I was a curtain jerker. I literally meant zero to the company. Like I was like, but he sat down right behind the curtain with a chair and he watched the entire match. And once you got to the backstage, he was, come here. And he sat with you. You did this, you did this, you did this. Should have done this. This was great. This was good. This was not so great. And those are people who don't need to do that. They don't need to. Right. But they get the business. They understand that at one point they're not gonna be here. So it's people it's used to very, say punk did that too. I don't know. Here. I, I I don't know. Um all I can say, for example, at least for me. I am not surprised about this whole CM Punk situation because there's only so much disconnection between 
the real you and your wrestling character, right? And one thing that I learned in the business was that if a wrestler comes up with an idea to do something, more often than not, that's how they actually feel. And I will elaborate. When Punk signed with WWE for the first time, and he did the whole Summer of Punk thing with Ring of Honor, where he was shitting on Ring of Honor and, you know, signing the, the, the contract on the belt and all these things. He came up with that idea. Now, how much of him saying this company is shit, I'm taking the belt somewhere else where it will be valued, how much of that was fake and how much was it that he was really thinking about? I don't think he liked Gabe Sapolsky at that time. I, I cannot say one thing or the other because I don't know, mm. but but that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. When you come up with the idea of calling everybody in the locker room a fucking mark, it probably is that you're actually thinking that already. You just want an outlet to say it without getting in trouble. So when we hear things about Punk being a little bit of a prima donna, and doing this thing and the other and the other, I go. Seems Not surprised. To me, seems on yeah. brand. He kind of looks like, yeah, that looks like something he would say and he would do. <laughs> like, it's just, it, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Now, if you have someone, for example, and I know he's my friend and it's different, but someone like Cal Jack, that you hear that he's toxic, you go, really? Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. But then you hear Tessa Blanchard and you go, "Is that it's like that kombucha girl meme, right? Like, and you go, like, sounds pretty on brand. Like, <laughs> sadly, sounds pretty on brand, right? When when the the guy with the lollipop, which we're not gonna mention to avoid." Not releasing a another episode. Um, well, now time has passed, <laughs> but still, um, yeah, you know, he, he never famous did dick anything. wrestler, <laughs> he didn't do anything to me weird, right? Like, he never, but when you realize that his whole spiel was you touching his penis and him grabbing females by the boobs. And him having a lollipop in his groinal area and then putting it in your mouth, then you kind of go, that don't make sense. <laughs> Fucking sucks. But it kind of makes sense. I think that guy was a creep. Uh, I mean, yeah. if you look at it, you go, well, makes sense. If the shoe fits. Like, I'm not mm -hmm. surprised about that one. Not surprised about that one. So, so that's that's kind of you know, yeah, it's a thing. Let's just leave it at that. Before more people get angry at me because I call them things. Well, I mean, Joseph Ryan was I, a. I, uh... I never said any sort of names. <clears throat> I didn't say anything. 
No, you didn't. Fleet's the fifth. It's it's three. F I F. Fifth. One, two, three, four. I like all numbers for my favorite in this. Fifth. Fifth. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't say anything. So, yeah, but you were going to say something, John. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Um, th- thank you, Robert. Um, <laughs> hi, my name is John. Um, first time caller, long time uh, listener. Um, and you're an alcoholic? You guys do a... <laughs> my name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. How, how did you know? <laughs> because... That's this meeting? Like you're Son here? of a bitch. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. You, uh, you don't you don't understand how uh, uh um alcohol alcoholics anonymous works, right? Are you, are you, you get, get there, buddy? He's drooling out of one side of his mouth, folks. From the, the guy, top yeah. side. From the top <laughs> side. <laughs> He's drooling from the top rope. Um Anyway, moving on. <laughs> you don't think they would have done Eugene like that back in the day? Just had him get up on the top rope and start drilling. <laughs> Did he do that for real? I don't remember. No, I, no. I like. I'm surprised they didn't. Ah, I mean, I'm surprised too. But he's got a milk. He tried to do that one too. Oh, oh, oh! That's good shit. I, I, I hate that they're doing so bad, but they're, I knew this was going to happen. I, I think the last time we spoke, I told you that AEW felt like WCW already with the NWO. Like what killed WCW was NWO. That's yeah. what made them successful, but that's what ultimately killed oh, them. That's true. Yeah. It, ultimately, it led their, to their demise. Yeah. Because they created something that was cooler than the actual product. No, and then with all these people that had control over their contracts, everybody wanted to be cool. So then now everybody was fucking NWO. So now you have a whole show with 60 some odd people in one faction. Like it just it just got out of control. So that's and then besides that as a product. All those people had a shit ton of power backstage, which ultimately fucks everything up. And AEW started with that, right? Because AEW started with the elite, with the elite, <laughs> with now we'll bring the on elite. with the elite. Yeah, well, yeah, the elite's better actually the at this elite. moment. Um, <laughs> it's like the myth of the we, female we... orgasm. <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> That's not true. It's that in global warming. That's all bullshit. <laughs> They always tell me to look for the elite, but I can't find it. I cannot like, find fucking, it. Fucking, they had Cody, which, by the way, I am surprised. Out of everybody, I I thought Cody was going to be the worst, to be honest with you. And he's actually the, the better businessman out of everybody. Or the only businessman. I don't know. Well, it I seems think he's like a good a- businessman, but he also is a businessman for himself. He's a carny. Oh, Definite carding. Like I I remember I think I wish I had that fucking pulled up. But on my Facebook, I remember that when when the whole fucking rally that they had, when they posted it, oh, I, was like, I remember this. I was like, does anybody yeah, else feel like this was like a politician rally? 
Yeah. Like it just felt like yeah. fucking Trump talking. Like I was like, You're talking about when they did the Bullet Club rally outside of the WWE thing? No, no, no. When they when they when they announced AEW. They announced AEW. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That they have Pac come out and like fucking uh Jericho. Baker and Derek and like four hundred people in a, in, a, like, in a parking lot. Yeah, exactly. But they're talking all these magic oh we're gonna pay all the talent equally. I was like, no. First of all, impossible. Second of all, no shit. You well, think Britt Baker is gonna pay, get paid the same amount as Chris Jericho? No, no. But the truth is, is that a lot of the people who started day one with them were getting paid in the millions. Oh, they were getting paid a boatload of money. Oh, yeah. but that's why all of them. But did you know that all those contracts were conditional? It's basically like football contracts where football, you sign a contract for the season, but you have to play at least eight games in the season in order to get paid that contract. Right. Yeah. So in AEW, yes, you get $35 million a year. But in order to do that, you have to be I don't know the exact number. I'm just giving you I was gonna say 35 is a big no 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 I'm I'm just giving you right but for you to get paid, I don't even think Brock made that in (laughs) eighty five you have to be in eighty five percent of the show for the company. And it's just not gonna happen because you could literally it's wrestling, you are booked to be there. Right. Right. It's so, not your decision whether you play or not. So then at that point, then they they maneuver and they finagle with the numbers and they're like, well, Re- you restructuring. Yeah, you would have gotten paid a million, but since you only did 50 dates, here's $30. Hey, man, I wish I could have 50 dates a year. But <laughs> the problem here is this. The problem here is this, right? <laughs> a lot of these people are in the business because are they about are these people wrestling. Oh, the Lord of God! The the, the ones that are <laughs> the, the ones that are in AEW, <laughs> um, <laughs> they they <laughs> they are in the business because there are marks for themselves. They love that whole bullshit of being the champ. Right. If you look at the actual people who are in the wrestling business as a business and to make money, you can see them in that locker room. The only people in there that were to make money were Jericho and Punk. And one of them is no longer with the company as of right now. Because Punk was a dumbass. In the way he went about doing things. Do you see how Jericho has navigated off. and he has navigated the bullshit backstage? Well, I mean, he knows how to navigate at rallies. <laughs> I, but, mean, he, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's at least that's so I've heard. Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> yeah. But no, it's 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 you don't hear him doing with all this bullshit. You don't hear no. Daniel Bryan with all this bullshit. You don't hear Moxley 
No. Because they're like, fuck yes, man. Moxley doesn't Moxley doesn't care. And and I mean that in the best way. Moxley he wants, cares he, for the company. He wants, That's he it. cares for the company, but he doesn't care about the extra stuff. He doesn't care yeah, if he's no. even ranked in the five hundred list. Like, oh, I'm number one. Who gives a shit? Because he's like, there he, for he's, the money. He's there for the business. He's, he's the there business. for the money. He's there to entertain. He doesn't care where he's ranked. He doesn't even care if he's champion. Like awesome. that's even though last year he should have demand if. There was anybody that should if could have walked into that locker room and said, "Fuck you, this interim champion bullshit's mm-hmm. not going to work for me." It <laughs> should have been Moxley. <laughs> it should have been fucking Moxley. Yeah, because la- last year he literally was the guy mm-hmm. that was keeping that company together. Yeah, yeah on camera him. as champion and as a background and as a locker room leader. That guy, yeah. that promo that he cut right after the scrum. Is still one of my favorite promos he's ever cut, just because of the fact that it just felt real. Like everybody was talking about how damn good that pr- promo was, and it was just I looked at Moxie at that point in a completely different level, you know. Because yeah, I went into it as with sometimes I was just like, oh, he just bleeds himself all the time, and then I finally saw you know a fire lit under his ass and this promo of just like he does care. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, like so he does have my appreciation from that standpoint of somebody that's just like. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care where he is on the card. I love his entrance, by the way. The second they gave him Wild Thing, I thought that was fantastic. I mean, he he is, without question, I think, and I've been very critical of AVW since its inception. There's a lot of things that, Robert, me and you, I think, can definitely agree on. But Moxley, in my opinion, he's the flag bearer of that company. He's the Mm -hmm. ace. He absolutely deserved it. He's earned that spot. Um, and there's nobody that, and whatever they put him in is a top spot. Yeah. You automatically care. Like he, he makes you want to watch that program every week. Like he's one of those few guys on that roster. That's not a, somebody from self that goes out there. He does it for the company. He does it for the love of the game. And that's somebody, somebody that I have absolute respect for. You say, uh, hey, the I, game. Think, uh... I think you hit it. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head. And I, but I think the problem that Moxley has is that until he beats someone up in real life in the locker room, like someone being stupid, and he right. puts them into place, he's gonna have a lot of children running around being stupid. That's that's one thing that the WWE locker room has, right? Taker. You knew that if you piss that man off, like he's he's going to fuck you up. Like there's nothing you can do about it. He's going to fuck you up. And that lingering presence kind of kept you from being stupid. In Puerto Rico, um we were getting a little bit rowdy. Uh I can't remember exactly what year it was. Uh we I was with Carlos. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um you know, morale wasn't doing great. Uh, we weren't getting paid consistently. Um, shows weren't filled up. You know, things were not the greatest. So, fucking uh, one of the guys, Spectro, who came from the other company, was feeling a little bit uh, froggy. And he was complaining that he didn't, he hadn't gotten paid. So he's huffing and puffing in the locker room, throwing shit around, 
you know, oh, where's my money? And everybody's kind of like, we get it, but at the same time, like, no one's getting paid. Like, like you know, <laughs> we get it, but like, shut the fuck up. Um, so he went, he started huffing and puffing. He's like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go talk to Yuvika and Carlos. I'm going to go talk to Yuvika and Carlos. I'm going to get my money. Because if I don't get my money, blah, blah, blah. all right. So this happens um, right before the show. I was the curtain jerker. So I had my first match. Come out, I'm doing, do my thing, come back. He's still huffing and puffing. I'm sitting down. Then I see him come up to Yuvika. Mind you, Yuvika is 70 something years old. Right, like, this is an old man, and and he goes, he just he comes in, he goes, Yovika, like fucking blah blah blah, like give me my money, like I'm gonna fuck you up, blah blah blah, and Yovika sitting down again, a seventy something year old man is sitting down, and he's looking at Spectre. Spectre's a six foot four guy, you know, like about two. 50 to fit like you know like like a well-built guy <laughs> so spectro gets all up and, and he comes in and just swings at javika and oh, javika in a matter of a second he stood up gave him a jab right in the mouth and automatically with the with the with his punch like the punching force he turned him around and got him in a chokehold and he fucking passed out. After that, the whole locker room was quiet again. <laughs> that 70-something-year-old man just fucked that guy up sitting down. Sitting well, down. I, that's what, that's I, what Steven Seagal aims to be. <laughs> like, it, it was so cool. I was like, what? Like, people were like, what the fuck just happened? Because all you, if you weren't looking... You heard Spectro huffing and puffing and screaming, and then just kind of like, and then Spectro is on the ground, just pass the fuck out. Like, like well, I mean, it could it could have been worse. Jose Gonzalez could have called you into the shower. And, uh... <laughs> no, uh, thankfully, thankfully, Pepe wasn't working for us at that time. Uh, have you one. have you uh, have you come? Has, I I was going to ask that question. Have you interacted with one Mister? Invader oh, one, course. Jose Gonzalez. Oh, of okay, course. we worked together for years. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not. I mean, murder thing aside, and everything. Murder aside, he's not that bad of a guy. He's not that bad of a guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. he may have. He may, you know, like besides that incident, no, he's, a, he's a stand-up guy. Here's the thing: there's there's no May in here. He did it. Yeah. <laughs> there's no May in here. Uh -huh. Oh, a little benefit of the doubt. No, 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 no. He did it. We all know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, well, I, I mean, it's fine. it's still one of those things. It's just like I'm always wanted to be protective of people. If they ever decided to go back, where it's just like, oh, I heard you on that podcast. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> All of a Somehow sudden, Robert I just gets in his shower tonight. Yeah. Somehow yeah, I decide. Somehow I decide I'm gonna go to San Juan for a trip at one point, and then all of a sudden I'm getting off the plane. Jose Gonzalez is standing with Carlos Colon. I'm like, well, I know who they're waiting for. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. And, and and this is a 
true fucking story. And I think I told this story to John the last time we talked about probably all this. Which you, before you, you get into that, let's uh, let's talk about real quick the last uh, time we talked. Uh-huh. And why that episode unfortunately <laughs> is still on my hard drive. Um <laughs> so we we talked for like 40 minutes because we talked for a shit ton of time. Right. Um we talked for like 40 minutes about nothing but Joey fucking Ryan. Ah, and, God. Oh, I remember this episode. You were talking. Yes. This is, oh, and okay. then the next week, everything comes out that he's a fucking pest. And uh I'm, sitting there and I'm working on it. And I'm like, Oops. The, the, shortest, <laughs> the shortest episode ever. Hey, this is coming out. I'm like, what up? And that's it. We're done. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah I we would talk that. about cats buttholes and yeah the cats buttholes yeah no no but um but yeah no, if, if you if you get in trouble you go to puerto rico and nothing huertas and carlos Colon is not gonna be waiting for you they're just gonna be <laughs> driving at a random time you know you're gonna be driving down the road you stop at a red light all of a sudden a car stops right behind you run to the side and run in front of you and then someone's just gonna come in with a gun, knock on your window, and tell you to get the fuck out of Puerto Rico. And that's it. That's it. Uh-huh. That sounds yeah, good. That, that's that, hey, At least it's a warning, and I'll just get on the plane and leave. It'll be fine. <laughs> and then you find out your plane doesn't have landing. If you want to... Just go to the Sky Club. If you want to wonder why WWE for... 50 fucking years was expanding all over the world and never touched Puerto Rico until they signed Carlito. Now you know why. Well, I mean, too, um, Monsoon had a big piece over there. I no, mean, but, but, that, but that's what happened. Uh, when in the 80s, Vince went to Puerto Rico to do a show when he was on his full-on expansion with Hogan and all that. And after the show, he was with Hugo Sabinovich in the WWE truck. They stopped at a stop sign, at a, at a stoplight. Two cars pulled in front of him, one on each side, two behind, and one guy walks to the to the driver's side with the gun. Took, took, took. So you're gonna take your shit, get the fuck out of here, you'll never come back. So the Hogan the- story of him getting a gun stuck in his mouth in Puerto Rico may not be too far up base. Oh, yeah, but it, it probably was definitely wasn't Hogan. true. <laughs> it was definitely true. <laughs> that definitely happened. You should, the stories that happened in Puerto Rico, man. Okay, so I guess we could put that on the Hogan counter that at least he has one. I mean, there's six million lies, but at least he has one that might be true. Okay. It might be true. It might have been that it happened to someone else and Hogan adopted it. That's true. Hogan, the notorious story thief. (laughs) Did you know that Hogan once wrestled 400 days in a year? (laughs) (laughs) It's because of the time zone with Japan, brother. Yes. Come back on the same day. Mm -hmm. He did that for exactly 35 days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's those things. Yeah, they they will definitely happen. That is, <laughs> that is a definite thing. I just like how Robert's like, no, yeah, that not murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why would I lie? 
Why would <laughs> I? He's got nothing. It's got nothing to lose. He's way, just like, no, time, he, he uh, straight up murdered him, but he's a nice guy. I, I, <laughs> so, I mean, he is. I mean, but, but we all know he did it. He said so himself. After he got acquitted of all charges, he came out and he said, I did. So I'm not actually. Didn't they do an angle? They did an angle about it. I saw up in. Um, so they did. Yes. Front. Yeah, they yes. did an angle with Invader Three and Manny Fernandez and all that. Yes. Third angle. The because uh, Invader Three put puke on command, kind of like Dross. Right. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. So um, so he could do that. So then yeah. So then before the match. He was drinking a lot of pig's blood with vodka. Uh, and then, as one should. I know. I mean, he was doing it because they were going to do the the angle where he gets hit in the throat and he's supposedly... Uh, very famous angle, one of the most famous out of that territory. <laughs> Probably one of the bloodiest in the history yeah, of the industry. Because he was like puking blood, he allegedly. Just throwing up blood. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, that was, that was a... Yeah, that was a that was a fake shoot that they did, because Manny Fernandez was friends with uh, Brody. With Brody and Invader Three, well, Invader One, yada yada. Let's talk about. Um, <laughs> so if you have uh, forty two pizzas, and you have to be in Chicago in three hours. I don't get that one. That one went completely over me. That's like, did you never take a math test? It's like some fucking like random bullshit. No, I mean, and then it's like calculate the density of the pizza. It's like what? Calculate how much the pizzas will shift on the way. Like, what? Is that a calculation point for that? Oh, brother. Brother. Oh, brother, my hip. John, I heard you're talking shit earlier. I don't like that, brother. I don't like that at all. Bro. You're gonna die of dysentery, brother. Brother. <laughs> John, do you have another question? <laughs> Is he? You're muted. He was so shocked by the. He was so shocked by the fact by of Hogan. Hulk. He's just like, I have to run away. Yeah, can't I can't handle, even deal with this reality. Ellen. He can't handle. He can't handle the helpster. Uh, I personally think that CM Punk was trying to get fired the last few months. <laughs> like that is the only rational explanation of why you would want to try and lose a job where you are getting paid five million dollars a year, guaranteed money. I don't, you know, I don't think. Okay, I don't want to think that he wanted to get fired in the beginning. I feel that he had the idea of fixing everything. Right. He had the intention of fixing everything. But once the fixing didn't take place, he just said, fuck it. Yeah, I, I I, think... I don't know when it was, because I think after last September, 
I think he still wanted to try to make it work. But I think when maybe the summer came around, then maybe when the elite, when he heard the elite got their contracts renewed, that maybe kind of exacerbated things where it was just like, well, they're still going to be here. So mm-hmm. maybe I just want to split. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's possible what happened that it just, it got to a point where it was like, you know what? Don't care. I was I was questioning his motives when he went to go visit people at WWE a few months back. I was like, that's a little sus. All of a sudden you show up out of nowhere after nine years, and it was just like, hey, I just came to visit everybody. And all of a sudden you not only you make amends with the Miz, and then you make amends with Triple H, or at least that's what's reported. Um and I mean, which everybody was just like, well, WWE, of course, they asked him to leave. It's like, no, the only reason they asked him to leave was because they don't want to be in a legal fight with somebody about contract, contract tampering. tampering. Mm-hmm. So it's I just thought it was extremely convenient that all of a sudden collision starting in a few weeks. And I'm rumored to be on that, but I'm going to go visit some friends at WWE after nine years randomly you know it's like now all of a sudden he's out of a job um and it's around the time that they're thinking about plans for six months from now seven months from now so do you think that we will see and also chicago Survivor Series will be in Chicago. So now there's all these things kind of like playing out. Does CM Punk return to WWE? So. Never say never. <laughs> let's start Let's start right. with that one. That's, right? that's the first. Let's start that's with that the one. First and foremost thing. Um. In Puerto Rico, there's a saying that wrestling is a business of of cock holes and whores. Um, basically meaning that people in the wrestling business will do anything for money. They will sell whoever they have to sell. They will bury hatchets. They will do all the things, right? Right. If the amount is <laughs> the correct one, would CM Punk come back to WWE? Yes. Does WWE want him that much to pay him that amount that it's probably going to be needed? I doubt it. Why did CM Punk go to WWE? Because it's a smart business move. He's checking, he's testing the waters. Of course. He's seeing how much of a buzz it creates. Right? Because he knows that if he goes to WWE and no one cares about it, then he knows that that's a, that's a non-sequitur. Right? Right. But then if he just pops around and he gets pictures taken and it gets viral and this and that, then he knows, okay, at least he has a little bit of pull in that sense. So... I think it's all a coincidence. 
Um, it could also be that he felt that his time at at AEW was coming to an end. Uh, you know, it's kind of like you have a girlfriend and you see that things are going bad, so you download Tinder. Like, you know, like you're not actively doing anything, but you're kind of right. like checking and and seeing to see if anything pops up. So I right. think I think that that's what it was. <clears throat> I don't think he did it on purpose. I don't think he knew it. But I think he kind of probably smelt it in the air and was kind of seeing like, okay, if I were to to try to come back, how's Vince? How's Triple H? How are the people that hated me really, really bad seven years ago? How are they right now? Do they like me? Do they not care? You know? But I don't think I don't think it's gonna be back in WWE. I don't think so. I think there's so many things that would require <laughs> to be in line that I don't think it'll happen. Well, would they say that Triple H already blocked his number? They now, said that Punk reached out to him and now straight to voicemail. Is it true? Is it a lie? Um, would Punk, if that it's if that was the case, just Punk not have any other way of contacting Triple H, which we know he does, right? Of course. So if he's trying to get a hold of Triple H, he'll get in touch with Triple H. Oh, he'll get a hold of him. One way or another, it'll happen. He's not right back. Right? I th- like, I I think there will be a meeting. There'll probably be a little bit of a feeling out, but. I don't think it'll ever be a meeting. I think there could be a phone call. Yeah. There could be a phone call where, you know, you go, okay, so how much would it take? And then they'll realize that their numbers are too far apart. And they'll just go, okay, bye. Thank you. And that's it. I mean. If Vince called you tomorrow. Uh, Would you go to Connecticut? To do what? Probably build the ring. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Curtain jerker. No. Bump at the PC. Uh, I know in all reality, if Vince called me right now and offered me a job, if anything else other than my current job, which is visual effects artist, game developer, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't. I'm 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 good. I'm I'm way too good. For- and Dan, you were gonna ask something. I cut you off. I feel like we keep no, no. doing that tonight. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. I, I completely forgot what I was gonna ask. Um, I I think we were. Uh, it, it was more. No, I completely forgot what it was. Never mind. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. That choo-choo left the station. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk yeah. about that, though. You said visual effects, mm-hmm. game designer. Mm-hmm. So was this a dream of yours growing up? Was it something you just fell into? How did it work? It, it 
it was a weird fall stumbling into it. Um, when I was getting out of the army, I was hurt. I couldn't do my job as as an athletic trainer, which is what I was trained for prior to the military. So I needed to find something that I was going to do. And I said, okay, so I have Jay Bill. Let's go to school. Um, before that, I used to, when I was working for Carlos Colon, um, I worked, I, I was the head editor of their TV show. And I would create uh, different video packages for the show. I would edit the entire show, take it to the channel, do all that. So I, you know, I dabble on freaking Final Cut Pro, Premiere, all that. And I was trying to find what to do. I was like, well, I like doing those videos and stuff. So let's try to find something like that. And I went into, I went to a school, talked to the media, the, the head of media department. And he, I said, I was going to, I wanted to make movies. He said, okay, what do you want to, what do you want to make? Do you want to make Iron Man, 12 Angry Men or Frozen? And I said, Iron Man. So he said, okay, visual effects is your thing. So started going to school for visual effects, bunch of schooling, bunch of schooling, bunch of schooling. Started, I got a job in Canada, Vancouver, worked on Sonic and the movie Cats. Came back home, COVID hit. More schooling, more schooling, more schooling. Worked as an effects artist in Spider-Man, No Way Home, and Chang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. And after that, after that contract with Luma Pictures in Australia, I decided to go into real-time VFX, because at this point is when The Mandalorian came out, and everything, a lot of stuff was moving into that real-time realm. And I went there, and I, I switched, and I got a job. And that's been it for the last two, two and a half years. Worked on a little bit of Mortal Kombat 1, League of Legends, Harry Potter, Fortnite, PUBG, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, yeah, and then now I'm making my own game. That's, that's my current thing. Besides working as an effects artist, I'm making my own video game. So let's talk about that because there's a lot of <laughs> internal conversations that obviously occur with designing your own game. Mm -hmm. And one of these big discussions we'll wait until Dan is back for, but um, how do you go from obviously taking direction, right? Because you're being told what to develop, how to develop it, what we're looking for, right? To plotting out your own blueprint and are you the only person making this game or is there a team with you how's that working so i think to answer the first part of your question i think deciding to make your own game comes from the fact that you've been working on other people's games for so long and and a lot of times you see things and you go i wouldn't do it that way you're asking me to do it that way i'll do it but i wouldn't do it that way um, and then the other part was that in, in the job that I have, which is with a VFX studio, I, I, I say we are firefighters because our job usually consists of 
for example, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Six months prior to release, they contacted us. And basically is, my house is on fire, put it out. So you come in and it's all these different things, just bang, 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 because everything needs to be fixed before releases. And I hated the fact that I was working on all these games, but I never saw the stages of development, right? I would always come at the end, put up fires and get out. So I was like, okay, I want to make my own because I want to feel what it is to have a baby from conception until it comes out. So that's why I decided to, to do it. And it's, scary it's weird um i'm a catastrophizer i have imposter syndrome so any and every decision i make i second and third question it and i question it again and then i ask my wife and then i question whatever my wife says like it's 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 a nightmare um but it's very rewarding as well you ever ask your dogs Yes, but they're they're suspiciously quiet about it. I don't know why. Like, they never give me any feedback. They're like they look at me like I'm weird. Like I'm the weird one, right? I'm like, if you're the one not answering, ask something. Whatever. Whatever. You ever wonder why they, you know, take your answer and then just poop? I I I in the beginning I thought it was a personal attack. Like every time I talk to them and they would then poop and be like, hmm, like, am I making you like, is that a direct correlation to me? But I learned that it's not, that's, that's not the case. That's not the case. It's just, I'm I'm so happy. It's just happenstance. Yeah. You've so. come so far, man. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. At least I don't make my dogs poop. <laughs> you don't make them poop? I don't. I don't. <laughs> you know, just by talking you know. to them, they don't have to poop. You're not. Do you remember the kennel from Hell Match? around the ring. Oh my god! You come up with the weirdest connections ever. Hey man, it's ADHD, bro. <laughs> it's kicking your ass, man. Ooh, jeez. <laughs> Amnesia yeah. haze is really good for that, man. Amnesia haze. I'm. I'm telling you, I tell you, man. No, dude, it's it's my favorite though. The kennel from hell match, because <laughs> the entire time they're selling it, they're like, "All oh, these dogs are gonna, they're gonna bite your face off." <laughs> <laughs> There's like these little tiny chihuahuas just pooping around the ring. Here's the thing, man. Those chihuahuas are vicious, though. <laughs> Those chihuahuas will fuck you up. <laughs> If if they're like golden retrievers, you know you're fine. Nothing will happen. But of course. But shit, chihuahuas, those will fuck you up, man. It's no joke. Oh no man. Joke. We're waiting on Dan now. What did what did he I don't know. He, he didn't he didn't text me. He didn't say nothing. <laughs> From what I understand, maybe he he got taken. Yeah, there he is. I got what? <laughs> Tooken. I don't know what that means. Well, uh, you skin, know, 
a skinwalker got me. A skinwalker. <laughs> no, so you know, like the movie Taken with Liam Neeson. Yes. They came out with a hood version of it. It's called Tooken. Tooken. <laughs> Should I Google this? You can. <laughs> it is a hundred percent. Should this be something I Google, or or is it like a blue waffle? <laughs> no, it's the. Here, I'll uh, I'll pull no. up the trailer for you. <laughs> Should I? Oh God. Should I? Dan, help me out here. Should I? <laughs> Should I? I trust you, Dan. I, I, hey, he, he, he trusts just... you more than me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you work with this guy every week. Is he, is he, a, is he a good dude? Kim, listen to me very carefully. Your mother, grandmother, and I are about to be taken. Why does this keep happening to us? They took his daughter. <laughs> they took his wife. Would you make Big Chocolate the happiest man in the world to marry me? Yes, yes, yes! Hell yeah! He's gonna okay. add another lane to her highway. Now they're taking oh, everything. Oh, good lord. He's about to be taken. Daddy! Why aren't you wearing a condom? Somebody needs some glasses. He has the skills. I have skills. Not according to your LinkedIn <laughs> I mean, what is intermediate Spanish anyway? So <laughs> took them back. I need your help, Mom. Ah, don't be such a wuss. The threat is real. Somebody's gonna get their ass kicked. <laughs> the danger Why is, is that dude? Oh my god. <laughs> the accent is questionable. This looks terrible, but I want to see it. Sound Irish. I'm from Philadelphia. <laughs> you still got to hook up on them Kalani? Yeah, we got to hook up, man. We can do a session together. Kim, Lenore, I need you to listen to me very carefully. We are so fucked. How, 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 how do you come, come up yeah. That looks terrible. I must watch it. That's like Velociraptor. I mean, hey, Velociraptor was a good Velocicaster. movie. My favorite. Okay, there's two of my favorite scenes in that movie. The first one is the visual effects car, where they couldn't afford it, so they just said, "Insert VFX here." It was so bad. Or the second is when they're in uh, Vietnam. Don't forget about Birdemic. Birdemic. Oh, yeah. Birdemic is an an, an absolute cinematic masterpiece. Birdemic is good. Um, There's there's so many great movies. Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear. I haven't seen Cocaine Bear yet. It's not good. Is that it was even fun. Good, like bad standards? Yeah, it it was fun for a few for like a few scenes, but it wasn't like it wasn't anything really to write home about. No, because like the thing is, right? The entire story that actually happened uh-huh. is Barry gets into a shit ton of cocaine, uh-huh. goes on a joyride, and dies. Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, in the movie, they're like, okay. But what if also? Uh, <laughs> Got it. Not only did he Stole do cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. He did this with this guy and Got it, got it. Yeah. So it gets a bit fantastical. I mean, I kind of thought about it and then but then he said, Oh, based on a true story, I was like, shit. Really? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Didn't expect that. It did okay. happen. Yeah, but the it was inspired by true events. It did it, it wasn't based on true events. Yes. Yes, got it. Okay. And so, but they also have like a whole bunch of different movies coming out for that. They have like, uh, what is it, meth something? I heard of co. I saw Cocaine Shark somehow pop up recently. Yeah, uh, there's also Crack. That's coming. Crack Raccoon or something. Oh my god. I mean, whatever, right? Whatever. As long well, as I mean, a, as long as it's new and it's a good, oh, sorry. it's a good thing, then I'll take it. Just it's called keep... crack, crackcoon. Crackcoon. Oh my god! You know what? I would much rather <laughs> do that shit and fail, but at least try to do something new, than keep rehashing the same fucking turd. Or actually not even rehashing turds. Rehashing good shit and turning them into turds. turds. Did you just Hi, say Disney. good shit? <laughs> Did you say good shit? Yeah, they took good shit and turned it into bad shit. Oh, yeah. Like, no. Like, good shit, no. pal. That's such great shit. That was a good shit. That's it's not good shit, that. pal. Yeah, no. Do you think he ever takes protein shits and he's like, oh, wow. That's a good shit. That's a good shit. Of course he does. NDAs are great shit, pal. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to touch that one. We'll walk away from it. <laughs> nope. Robert over here is like, I love being out of wrestling. I'm not going to touch that one, man. <laughs> so, when Vince McMahon tried to impregnate Stephanie, um, oh, for fuck's sake. That was a storyline. I know it was. But that doesn't mean it needs to get repeated. I, I, I'm not even talking right now. I'm not even listening either. It's not like even like Russo came up with it. No. Like it it's Vince. not like Vince came up with it. It's like if I would expect that from Russo. But uh, yeah. for Vince to even come up with that idea, it's just like, wow, this is outlandish. So, fans, you have to see that uh, Robert nope. has now pulled up his second monitor, pulled up Netflix, <laughs> loaded up a movie, and has tuned us out completely. <laughs> I'm, not fact, made... I'm not touching that one. I'm not touching that one. Because even though I do not, I do not work for the man, who knows what might happen? Nope. The internet is forever? Uh, nope. You're a smart man. Lord knows. Another, I mean, people could go look at my Mazza Media collection and find horrible things. That's the thing, right? That's what I always say. This is what I always say. 
I already do enough shit to get myself canceled. Yeah. To get canceled for something I didn't do. Right. Like if you're gonna cancel me, at least cancel me for something I did do or did say. So I'm not gonna give you free ammo. No. Do do your due diligences and find find a dirt. Plus, this is a legitimate podcast, so I don't do anything controversial on this podcast. All right, see? (laughs) I don't do anything (laughs) on that either. I don't know what they're all talking about. I'm fine. As John's like, well... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You tell me all the time it's not going to work for you, brother. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it won't work for him. It's, well, that, Dan's work rate is unbeaten. <laughs> you should see what the guy does in the Tokyo Dome. Minimum six and a half stars. Minimum. Minimum. <laughs> I mean, at least you have a, an attainable attainable standard. Uh, yeah. But he only works with Okada. Only work with Okada. I mean... I think that's just working smarter, not harder. Pretty much working with Okada would be you're taking the drop kick. He, okay. He's doing he's doing what what Sasha Bank does. She works with just good work, people, so she looks work with good. good <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She made a fucking career. Do you it. work with Baron Corbin? No. No. <laughs> I want Kenny. I want Unless Kenny. It's a squash match. <laughs> I, I, I want Kenny. I want Roman. <laughs> I want the loser. Yeah. I want it's, Jericho. It's, it's funny how, like, sometimes because we were talking, you're talking about like game design and that, and earlier what you're doing now, mm-hmm. um, and the funny which I, I've kind of helped you with some th- uh, with the current project that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, at least give a little bit of my input. Yeah. But um, in the uh, the wrestling video game realm, mm-hmm. was it always something when you created your character that was like, okay, I got to give myself the hottest diva, and I have to be world champion within three months? <laughs> I mean, I think we all did that. I think that's, we that's all a, did that's that a at one point. I think that's a universal thing, right? You would always put yourself. And like, give yourself a manager. It would be like Stacy Trish, Trish, and then you would play, and then always win. And if you lost the match, you would turn it off and not save it and go again. <laughs> and then, and not- then complain about the game being short because you just won everything. And well, if you had lost a couple of times, then it wouldn't have been that short. So, yeah, just, not me, brother. My manager was Doink. <laughs> I uh, I don't believe you. I know it was Trish, Tori, and Stacy Keebler. And oh, Lita every now and then. <laughs> you know this. You're going into business for yourself right now, and I don't <laughs> fucking respect it, brother. The okay. rated R uh, version of Lita. It's nothing else. It's just the rated R version of Lita. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We and, all know what that is, folks. <laughs> and the TNA, the TNA version of Trish. You want the TNA version Ooh, of it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> is yeah, that Velvet Sky? Velvet certain... <laughs> Sky is not in any video game. What are you talking about? No. Not yet. Well, Trish... Robert, get on it. Yeah. 
<laughs> you don't like we got heat with velvet? Nah, I'm okay. I'm not doing wrestling games. Wait, I never said you had to put her in a wrestling game, brother. She's retired. <laughs> Just start her why would I, so why would I have her? Just put care. her in any game, brother. Just put her in any game? <laughs> yeah. No, because you then I'm going to have to pay her royalties. That's what the whole SAG after thing Son of about. a bitch. <laughs> oh, son it. of You're a bitch. It. You're killing it. Oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. What would what would Steve Austin striking sound like? You know, if he was like on the stag, would he be like, <laughs> "Oh hell no, oh, Jesus Christ!" You come up with the weirdest fucking shit ever. <laughs> How did you come up with that one? I'm a stream of consciousness, my man. Royalties, what? What? <laughs> We're working think, for contracts. What? I think what? you have a cork board with random ideas and you just shoot a dart. <laughs> Whatever it hit, you're like family guy. Whatever it hits on you, okay. Remember that time when I sang La Cucaracha with Elvis Presley? <laughs> what? What? What are you talking La about? Cucaracha. Yeah. La Cucaracha. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. But yeah, let's go. Next question, John. What's up? What you got, brother? Oh, brother. Brother. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about uh, you're building your games, right? Yes. And your game specifically is a unique take on an idea, right? Because yes. it's a, it's a, it's a, and I mean this in the nicest way. It's not an idea because every game now is a shooter, right? Mm-hmm. So in that aspect, it's another game. Okay. But how you go about the environment around you, I think is fairly unique. So tell us Thank about you. it. Yeah. So um, so my main idea, um, like you said, every game has already been done, right? Puzzles, survivals, horrors, you name it, they've been done. So. I was looking for an idea on on how to, what to do for my game to kind of set it apart. And I can't remember exactly what it was that I was watching. And I, I think it was one of those times where you're just doom scrolling on, on YouTube type of thing. And and I came up, I, I come up with this video of, they were talking about blindness and, and what it what it means to be legally blind. Um, and then they started talking about the what they called the levels of blindness. And I found that very interesting because for us, let's call it sighted people, right? People who are don't have problems with their sight. Um we think that oh, you're blind, then you, you see black, right? Like that's that's how we, with our tiny little brains, think about it. And then understanding how that is not the case, right? How there are people who are technically blind, but they still see certain things, what they see. 
to me was fascinating. But more than that, I found the way they navigate their environments to be something like ridiculously interesting, right? It's it's I see it almost kind of like a superpower. And in the way of of some of these people have echolocation and not even active echolocation, but a passive one, which I didn't even understand what passive echolocation was. But it's actually the absence of sound is what gives them the location of things. I they hear the wind really like strong, and then as they walk past the building, they're not gonna get that wind. So though that is is ridiculously interesting. And then you see, and then I, I kept going down that rabbit hole. So I got so there's a group that they ride bicycles, right? Using echolocation. I, I and and I just went down on that and I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about how every time we've seen wrestlers wrestlers, excuse me. I said wrestler because I think I just saw is that Scott Steiner back there doing a side chest pose? Actually superstar Billy Graham, but close. Uh, oh close. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I was like, okay, anyway. Um same facial hair. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> so um, I started thinking about how whenever there's a blind person in a video game, they're always really badass, right? They're always like ninjas and they do all these flips and all these crazy things, which I'm not saying is impossible, but it's not, I don't find it realistic, right? Like that's, that's not everybody. It's not like that. And also I found out that in the game, you as a player, you're not blind. You see fantastically well, right? You're 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 playing uh, uh what's the name? Near Automata, whatever the name is, however you pronounce it, where the character is blind, but she's blind, but you see completely fine. And I was like, okay, so what if we can give the player the experience? of blindness have them go through all of these different levels of blindness right some blind spots some blurriness some some weird shapes moving around your your vision you know losing areas completely like all those things so how can we put this in the game where you as a player are feeling that and you see the limitation, you feel the limitation, but it also teaches you how to navigate without that big, that 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 sight, you know. And that's how I came up with the idea of creating this this system, where you gradually go blind, and that is part of the game. But again, the my main thing is to show that blind people. The same way handicapped people, people in the spectrum, whatever, they're human, right? We are all human. We all go through life as humans. 
Nah, we might be blind, handicapped, uh, black, white, male, female, whatever have you, right? But after all, we're all human. We are all living the human experience. Just so happens that that experience is a little bit different for everybody. And that's what I want to show. In the game, you being blind is, is not the game. It's just part of it. It's just like you are a human going through the story. And it's a human who happens to be losing her sight. But that's it. And that's what I want to convey with my game and with my story is that being blind is not the end all be all. Just because someone is blind, that's not their identity. They they are human that happen to be blind. So that's that's how I, I came up with that with that idea. And that's what I've been trying to recreate. And that's amazing. Um and this is something that you've spoken uh, with one of our people here about at length. Uh, would you yeah. want to go into that, Dan, or your experience? Or uh, it's funny. One it's of entirely our people your here. It's like, <laughs> um, well, I, okay. So I was I was prefacing it that way. No, uh, it's I, I wanted I to ask you first, and then I was gonna uh, push it out. No, it, it's completely fine um, to discuss. I have no issue with it. Okay. Uh, it it gives kind of a background of, of my kind of process and uh, thought process, anyways, of kind of where it's want to be. Because you know, when I was I got diagnosed with it at three, and it was just something that immediately. And it's called optic atrophy. It's a um, it's an undeveloped optic nerve. The eye is fine. It's the nerve that's the issue. Um. You know, when I was a young kid, there was two things I wanted to do. It was either be a pro baseball player for the Red Sox um, or be a be in professional wrestling at some point. Of course, being a wrestler was the first thing I thought of. But then when you figure out, when you go to a doctor, because you don't, you don't know at 10, 12, 13, 14 that this is a problem. It's like, yeah, there's people at school that are going to help you out. Um, but when you hit the 17 range and you realize everybody else is getting the driver's license and the doctor pretty much just told you it's, it's a no go, buddy. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So it's from that standpoint, you know, so that's a bit of a blow. It's a bit of a self-esteem issue because everybody's talking about, it. and I've, um, it's it's annoying too because around the time that I was that that age, my dad had an '85 Lincoln, and I was just thinking to myself, at that age, I'm just like, man, I would tear it up with that. <laughs> like that would I would have just had a lot of fun in that car, and you know it didn't happen. You're not going to be able to be on the baseball team because you're not going to be able to hit a fastball. It's just not going to happen. And then the wrestling thing parts of it comes in of just like, if you're off by three inches, if I got to think about, am I going to execute this right where I'm not going to screw this guy up? If I got to think about that every time I'm doing something, it's going to happen. 
I can't do it. Like, it's just, and that, that it's like, so that's out. So it's like, well, what can I can do? Well, I can broadcast. I got told when I was 17, trying to go to college, when I had finally made the decision, I wanted to be a professional broadcaster. The woman from the department, and I'm not going to say where, because it's a state organization, but at the time, because, and this is early 2000s, she said that no one with your condition has ever made it in professional broadcasting. Um, <clears throat> so there was that kind of a motivator at that point. And it took me 10 years because I ended up getting a job working as a, radio, as a radio DJ about 10 years after. It took, you know, but it, it happened. I did it. Um, but it is annoying when you are trying to go for a job uh, and you think you're qualified, you have a degree that, and there are certain companies out there, certain wrestling companies that I have applied for, for positions as a writer or a producer. I have a background in independent wrestling for a few years. I have a communications degree. I know how to edit. I have a bunch of things that I can do to make myself valuable mm -hmm. for um, a promotion or something of that nature creatively. But I've never been able to get the chance to because they either want somebody with a license or they think that you're a liability. And that's another thing mentally, another mental stable block that I kind of have to get over. But, uh, you know, there was a time where it got to me where I would be drinking a lot um, in the last decade or so. I've, um, <clears throat> you know, I got with the, the right person that made me feel better about myself and also didn't treat it like something where my exes would treat it as a as a disability or handicap. She doesn't think that. Um, and then the great, wonderful, um, <laughs> the great, wonderful marijuana <laughs> definitely helps because it's just, it is, it is, it does get straining when you have, you know, I work in it. So it's like, I'm looking at computer screen mm -hmm. all day. And currently I am looking at a computer screen. Yeah. That's what I speak. Um, so it's just, it, I get tired. My eyes get tired. So it's like at, at some point, yeah, it's like I have to shut it off. But, um, I, you know, I hate to talk about me, but it's just like I feel like I'm talking about something that if, in case there's somebody out there that has a, a problem such as mine or, or vision issues and that type of stuff that feels like, you know, I'm never going to be able to amount to anything or something like that. It's it's something you can get through. Mm -hmm. Does it is it hard? No, not really. Like I don't find it hard that I don't drive. I see the idiots on the road constantly. I'm glad I'm not on the road because either I'm gonna somebody's gonna hit me, and if they do, I'm probably not gonna take it too well. Mm -hmm. And because <laughs> it's just. I just some, yeah. I'm, I'm a terrible backseat driver, though. That's my <laughs> only thing. No, and, and, and 
some of these people who are driving shouldn't even be driving. <laughs> even, oh, I know. even even they can they can quote unquote see, but they don't act like they can see. Like right. They're they're yeah, it's Let's try to interrupt. Keep going. No, no, no. It's fine. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I can see better than a 90 year old with cataracts, but that is still thinking that hits the drive in the car instead of the gas and drives into a fucking window in a Duncan's. You you can see better than those MLB umpires too. (laughs) Exactly. It's true. Like I understand. I I understand things like that. Right. Like I get it. Like. Sure, driving, sure. But when I see people and 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 I don't want to sound like I'm thinking like they do it on purpose, because a lot of times they don't do it on purpose, but they treat people with a certain disability here mm-hmm. in a way where they're like like they're helpless. Like like yes, I will definitely. If there's someone in a wheelchair, and I, I will offer to open the door. It's normal, right? But, right. but I wouldn't make it to a point where I go, "Hey, buddy, do you need me to open the door?" Like, come on, like, it's a big thing, <laughs> um, as the person in the wheelchair. Yeah, uh, being infantilized is. Uh, half a fetish and then the other half just degrading and both of them ultimately really are degrading yeah. uh, just do you get satisfaction out of it or <laughs> the person you're with yeah. um, but in general it happens a lot um, I remember specifically this was maybe 10 years ago I was just doing my diddly doodads down the uh, you know sidewalk pushing myself and these kids came up behind me and started pushing me mm-hmm. and i just fucking jumped yeah because i'm like whoa what the fuck yeah because you don't and know what people, they're gonna do you don't know if they're gonna just nah. throw you in the middle of the road or whatever like yeah. yeah and people you know they just looked at me like i was you know like 10 eyes in my head they're like why is he such a dick you know, we were helping him, and I'm like, dude, don't, don't, don't fucking touch me, man. Yeah. yeah they think right. that the the chair isn't part of you. Those handles are just as much my body as anything else. You wouldn't yeah. go up to behind someone else and start helping them walk. You know, yeah. pick them up and right. You know, carry them down the sidewalk. Um, but people just think like, like what Robert was saying, like, yeah, you're disabled, you're helpless. Hmm. And the one thing that I think is the coolest part of this podcast in general is both Dan and I are disabled. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it with our guests. You're no. one of the few. Um, honestly, if we don't bring it up, it shouldn't be brought up. Yeah. Because again, it doesn't define who we are. Yeah, you're, you're a human. That's it. Uh, and right now... Is this three humans talking about different topics? That's it. Yeah. Whatever else, you know, it's like yeah, we're all milkshakes. Sure, some of us might be, you know, cooking a rum and another chocolate and another, I don't know, pecan, whatever. But we're all milkshakes. Screw it. Whatever. Move along. Yeah. And 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 that's part of what I wanted to do. And that's 
that's and 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 not just that, right? Because that was the other thing. And 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 I believe I, I spoke to Dan about this a little bit. Not just because that was my second conundrum. The first one was trying to bring in blindness into a visual medium, right? Because video games is a visual medium. Right. How do you work with that? That was the first thing. The second thing I was thinking was, I need to make sure that this game is playable by people who are at whatever level of blindness. Because how can I make a game to try to to represent a group and then they cannot play the game? Like that would be like, I, I, I'm making a movie about black history, but black people cannot come watch it. Like, wait, what? Like this doesn't make any sense. So, so that's another thing that I've been talking to different people. Like, what are those accessibility hacks that they have? Like zooming in on their cell phones, right? Like to be able to see different things, the high contrast on things, uh, putting the red uh, outline or a green outline. Like my enemies are going to have a red outline on them. My good items are going to have a green outline. Right. So then at least if you have that, at least you can see those things and they pop to you more and and things like that. So so that was my other thing that I wanted to do. And that's why I'm talking to different people to see what are their hacks. Right? How do they do things? I'm talking to a sound designer to make sure that the game is best played with headphones and you get the full 360 experience of it. So as you are playing the game, if something is happening behind the character, you hear it as behind you. So you And what know... most people call that is spatial audio, right? Correct, correct. But okay. I need to make sure that I do it to the 10th degree. You know, I need well, to- Well, you have to sure incorporate that, it. That so it's an experience too, right? It's part correct, of the experience. Correct. But a lot of times, um, that ex that space the spatial sound design, sometimes they don't pay that much attention to it. Um, like for example, sometimes most games, what they do for what we call the the, the room sound, right? The environment sound, they just put a track, right? A track of like a little bit of maybe like a little bit of wind, some street noises, whatever. In my case, I cannot just do that because I need to make sure that <clears throat> even my background sounds are three-dimensional because I need to make sure that if you're hearing a car drive by, that there's an actual car driving by and that you're not just startled for no reason, because you think that a car is about to run you over, right? So, so that's that's why I'm trying to make it a little bit more um, intricate. Let's put let's use that word. Um, another thing that I think that <clears throat> because when I first played started playing video games when I was, you know, I was the NES and the SNES uh, generation. It was hard because these games were all rhythm-based. 
They all had timing. It like any uh, half the NES, three quarters of the NES, NES library, you needed to have perfect timing on most of the stuff that they were playing. So for somebody like that, for myself, it was hard. Um, the second, I think, the N64 with 3D and the more options you can give somebody as far as visual effects or also being able to display things or sound-wise or stuff like that. I mean, the biggest thing for me was when sports games started adding in sliders. Because then at that point, it's like, okay, this fastball is too fast. I can, can't hit it. Drop it down a little bit. Breaking ball breaks too much. Drop it down a little bit. And then it's just like, now you can actually start playing and feel like, okay, I'm playing like everybody else because and able to do the same thing because I'm able to actually to see everything. It's the same thing with like when I'm playing NBA 2K or... Um, you know, Madden or something like that, where it's like the icons, they have to be big. I need to be able to see things where it's like, if I want to be able to hit a, uh, hit a receiver on a go route, I need to be able to also read the defense too and think, all right, there's no one around them. I know I could just chuck it and you actually have to do it at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same thing too with like, <clears throat> excuse me, like with NBA 2K, because it's now it's not, you know, double dribble or NBA jam where it's just like a free for all. Most of the time it's a stimulation. You get to set it now where it's just like, how's your timing with your shot? Drop it down a little. All right. It's late. Okay. Up it's late then. So it's like you, you now have the ability for someone who might have a visual issue that's able to play and enjoy a video game now, like they have never before because Everything is set at their speed and at their pace. And that is something that I think a lot of people take for granted. You know, and I people crap on me all the time. They're like, you enjoy it, but all you do is play, play in rookie mode. It's just like, because it's the only chance I can to enjoy it. It's like, if yeah. I go to all Madden, if I go to like a higher ranking, I'm not going to enjoy it. It's not yeah. fun. And then it beats the whole purpose, right? Because video games, like everything in life is enjoyed as a, as a pastime, as a game, right? right? We then decide to make it serious and put money in, right? When we're kids and we're playing, you know, basketball, soccer, baseball, whatever in, in our streets, we're not thinking about the multi-million dollar contracts that the professionals get paid, right? We're just playing because we like it. And video games should be the same. You should play a video game because you like it. But now people are just taking it so serious. Like they're getting paid millions of dollars for it. Like I remember I started playing uh, League of Legends uh, Rift Ride or whatever the name is, the mobile one. And Mm -hmm. I started playing it, and I would do. I, I used to play League of Legends back in the day, so I was pretty good at it. We have this match, we win. I have like seventeen kills, one death, and like eleven assists. Like I did a fantastic job. And a guy starts screaming at me because the items I have bought were not the correct ones. And he's 
belittling me on chat. We won. I kicked ass, but he's still screaming at me because I didn't buy the correct items. And that's the problem. Like, like why would people give you crap because you play in rookie? Screw it. It's your game. Yeah, you exactly. Play it to enjoy it yourself. I personally don't enjoy it too much if I am running through my opponents. If I'm right. beating every the everybody by 70 points, then yes, let's let's up it up, right? But if I want to play a game, I've played The Last of Us multiple times. And normally I play on normal. I'm sure I can go on a higher difficulty. But why? Why go right. through the stress? Why tear my hair hair out for a stupid video? No. Play it on normal. Get the story. Get my dopamine hit. Fucking move along. Like making like why would I put it on the hardest mode and then start throwing my controller left and right? Because I keep losing. That's just bad. I got pretty goddamn good with Red Dead Redemption that first one. And I, I could do pretty damn well at Grand Theft Auto too. Really? Like, I, it, well, they, it's even with like, because everybody shits on auto aim and all that stuff if you put it on, but it's just like, look, if I'm able to be able to stop somebody from hanging by able to use the, the six shooter and uh, like, I don't yeah. consider that a like, you know, it, it's, you kind of got to sometimes take the advantages that you can. And I think it just, because you want to be able to enjoy it. I mean, and that's you why know? they're there, that's, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why they're there. They gave you the access, the accessibility for exactly that. Then why not take advantage of it? Right. It's there. Like, are you gonna get a? Are they gonna pay you money if you beat the game in the hardest difficulty without autoing? No, right? So then, <laughs> why go through the problem? Like just. Uh, excuse me, sir. I only get paid, okay, for auto. <laughs> no. Can you stop looking at me like that, sir? Like, like NBA 2K, like people. Oh, if you want to be taken, uh, uh, if you want to be respected in the 2K community, don't use the like the the shot meter. But I'm like, hmm. I don't care Fuck what you. you guys think about <laughs> me. I'm I need the shot play. meter. Fuck oh. you. So, here's what I do, okay? In Madden, okay, uh -huh. I play rookie only with the Cowboys. Seasons mode only. So, so, so even in rookie mode, you're losing. This yeah, is the Cowboys. you're down by 80 because yeah. it's the Cowboys. <laughs> if, no. Uh, I have won 30 championships in a row. Thanks. Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott would still throw 30 picks in rookie mode in Madden. Yep. Like guaranteed, he'd still throw thirty picks, and every single one of those picks is a pick six. Exactly. Just to make sure you're, you're right. <laughs> it's just like every single time. If you have Dak Dak Prescott as your quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, you're still losing in rookie mode. Yeah. Even when you have the sliders <laughs> for one hundred under human control, yeah. you're still losing by a hundred. Yeah. yeah. You can have Terrell Owens, fucking uh, Travis Kels. Rob Gronkowski, both those the tight ends. You can have six Hall of Fame wide receivers, 
Gronk is better than Kelsey. Let's just let's just state that right now. True. Okay. True, but that's why Gronk is both. better than Kelsey. But it needs to be stated. Both, but that's why I, I feel like you you're both. biased. Okay. No, no, he's correct. He's correct. <laughs> he's correct. Hey, he's correct. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Gronk is. Then again, I would like to see Gronk without Brady. I want to see that. I want to see if he's that good. So you think I mean, Gronk is Sasha? <laughs> There's a possibility. <laughs> There's a possibility. But I've seen I've seen Travis Kells cooking with fucking uh what's his face? Patrick Mahomes. No, no, not Mahomes. No, Mahomes obviously they're yeah. cooking. But the other one uh shit. Well, whoever the second string guy was, whatever his name is, can't remember. Um, oh uh Chad Henney. Chad Henney. Chad Henney. Chad yeah. Henney. I go blue. Know, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen Travis Kells cooking with with Chad Henney. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll see. But um, but yeah, I know that Prescott can have an all star team. That Prescott sucks so much that he <laughs> got an award for being a good dude in a football award ceremony oh god he got the you are a good dude award. you're a good dude but you're you a good dude. dude that's that's it that's what he got come on man he's so proud. i just feel like you're jealous you didn't get he, that award he makes tony romo look good like that's how good Doug, that's how I bad am, doug prescott i am a cowboys fan okay yes since why do you do this exactly okay when we had what was his fucking name? Drew Bledsoe. You're welcome. As our quarterback. <laughs> I didn't hate him as bad as Dak Prescott. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, Dak Prescott has made me question my fandom. I stay with Drew Bledsoe, man. I stay with Tony Romo. I send Mo Lewis a Christmas card every year for Drew Bledsoe. I send him a Christmas card every single year. Thanks for the six championships. You're Uh, welcome. Merry Christmas every uh, year. I wish you were doubting. I know you're not. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I don't know how I feel. Yeah. Dak Prescott. No, no. God, he's the worst. Like, he's just like, how. How can anybody take him seriously as a quarterback? Like, how can anybody? He has an all-star team every single year. And especially with Lamb, for Christ's sake. How the hell do you not? How do you not win with this guy? Seek. He fucking had at one point Des Bryant. He has had cannons. He has had studs. Tom Brady, Tom Brady takes a fucking skeleton crew <laughs> at fucking New England. A skeleton crew. Because Julian sorry, Edelman, Brendan LaFell, Edelman was his number one receiver. His number one receiver was yeah. Edelman, who was like what, five foot three? Like, yeah. He's. I'm, I'm a tiny person. He's tiny. He's staying short kings in Seventh this house. round pick as a quarterback, and they put him at wide receiver, and he's the most consistent receiver of Brady's career. 
And well, you're like, telling me that Dax Prescott doesn't have health. <laughs> a couple of months back, I almost had an ulcer. Because I was seeing this video on from First Take. I watch First Take every now and then. And they're talking about how Dak Prescott is a winning quarterback. <laughs> In what? In 2K5. What? Seriously, <laughs> in what? In what? Uh, what? What has he won? Maybe he won Madden 04 with Michael Vick. Yeah, I, mean, exactly. I mean, anyone would win with Michael Vick in 04. Come on, man. It was so much fun just running around the field. But, like, how do you say that he... Oh, he has more regular season wins than, than, than losses. Cool. How many championships has he gone? Fucking zero. How many division <laughs> titles? How many division titles at least? Are you sure you're a Cowboys fan? I am, but I am a realist. I'm a realistic one. <laughs> I understand what's going on. How many, how many division banners? It's like he forgets how to play football come December. Every year it's the same bullshit. We start the year, we blasting. It's it's like we train for a marathon, like we're, we're gonna ten and run, three, right? Like we're gonna run a hundred meter dash, and we blast out of the gate, and we're so fast. And you halfway fall for through, it every year. Halfway through, <laughs> come December, we're losing everything. Come the last fucking, and that's what's heartbreaking about being a Cowboys fan. Every year yeah. to the last week, that fucking game with the Giants or with the or with the Eagles or with the Commander. Every year the same. We lost three years in a row on that last week against different division opponents. Every year, one year the Giants eliminated us, the other year the Eagles, and the other year the fucking ah. Uh, Eagles, Giants, and Commanders. Yeah, uh, that time it was the Redskins. How does it feel now that Daniel Snyder is no longer the owner of the Washington football team, that Jerry Jones is the worst owner in the the NFC East now? I mean, might as well. He has the worst everything else in the fucking division, except for the stadium. The stadium is the greatest fucking thing ever, but that's it. It's a great stadium, don't get me wrong. but Jerry's world? Yeah, but it's Jerry's how, world. And so, how is Dak Prescott a winning quarterback? How? how? Uh, because he he wins once what? up until December every year. He wins locker room that, sword man. fights. Uh, like, you see the I, hog on that guy? <laughs> Here he comes with his freaking motorcycles again. <laughs> That's when you get Chris Collinsworth in there. <laughs> This guy. Guy. <laughs> I don't know why he's so obsessed with motorcycles. I mean, you know, it it look with the with the it could be bad with the cowboys, but at least you didn't throw at the one when you have Marshawn Lynch in your backfield. <laughs> that could have been a thing that a team in the northeast did. <laughs> they could have been called the Bills. 
Oh. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. <laughs> I am okay with you sucking if you make me laugh. Like, for example, Mark Sanchez and his butt fumble. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that was fucking hilarious. That was hilarious. I'll fucking take it. I watched day. that live. Uh, me One too. of the greatest moments in the history of New England sports. And I sat there. And I was like, <laughs> because we didn't we didn't have like a DVR yet, even though it had been out for a Thanksgiving, while. Thanksgiving, yeah. You know, and so I was just like, excuse me, what? <laughs> and I watched the replay, and I watched the replay, and I watched the replay of that. And I just sat there and it got funnier every fucking time. Because I like, you this, I like this so much that, that the year after my fantasy football team that was the name, the Mark Sanchez Buck Fumblers. <laughs> I like how you had the sponsorship on there too. I did, I did. The Mark Sanchez Butt Fumblers. But you know, if you're gonna be that bad that you're gonna give me memes and you're gonna you're gonna give me the lows, I'll take it. But no, Dak Prescott sucks and he's serious about it. And like he just, people he, people he, think he's good. I'm like, how? When? He, he has the face of a loser. I just see his face and, and I'm just like, else. you are a loser. And everything else. Did you see I, this stupid ass face receiving the You're a Good Dude Award? Oh, at God. The he sucks so bad. He was so happy. He fucking sucks. Like, it's just, I, I don't understand how any organ, like, why you give him so much leeway and it's just like oh he's a franchise quarterback no he's not he's not a fucking franchise quarterback he should be a fucking goddamn freelancer guy can you tell just me going what around has he done, mercenary what has he done that johnny manzel didn't do in the nfl well i mean coke and hookers i mean besides that besides that I, i'm well, talking about the, the field stuff? i'm talking about in the field They've done the same shit, right? They've been quarterbacks in the NFL. They've won some, and they've lost some. That's it. I, th- I That's thought it. Jerry was going to pull the trigger on Manziel. I'm Me still kind of surprised he never did. Yeah. Like, I was like I, that could have changed things. Because Manziel could have – Manziel actually could have made it. And, you know, because he actually – he got drafted by the worst fucking team possible team mm-hmm. – that you could as a quarterback, mm-hmm. even a good one, yeah. even, you know, yeah. like if he went to Dallas, he could, his development could have been there. He's in a place that he's kind of, he understands. And he likes and, because this is where he went to college. Yeah. And yeah, he probably could have got straightened out real quick because Jerry Jones probably would have been like, uh, uh, let's uh, fix this, you motherfucker. Let's yeah. fix you. Yeah. I fix Michael Irvin. I could fix yeah. you. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. And and athletes, the greatest fixer of all time. Athletes will adapt. They will they will adapt depending on who they're with, right? Dennis Rodman is a great example of it. He was crazy, but under the right leadership, Chuck Daly and Phil Jackson, especially. And I think he only credits Phil. And, 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 and not just that, not just that, right? Not just the coach, because he also had Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumas. Like, he also had people on the court keeping him in check. 
And in, in Chicago, he had Jordan. Yeah. There's a very so, famous uh, story with him saying to Phil, he goes, Phil, I, uh, I, I need some time. <laughs> he goes, I need to go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And Phil goes, what? And Dennis goes, Phil, I need to go to Vegas and get my mind right. Because that's the level of insanity of a Dennis yeah. Rodman. Um, so Phil goes, okay, months. Dennis, you have two days. Go to Vegas, get your mind right. So along the way, Dennis is gone, and he's gone, gone, right? And so then uh, all of a sudden he hears this knock, 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 heavy knock on the door of his hotel room. He opens the door, and it's Michael Jordan. And Jordan goes, pack your shit. He goes, pack your shit. We're getting back. And Jordan personally escorts him to the airport, back to Chicago. And then Dennis said, once he got back on the court, he goes, I was back. He goes, I was perfect again. He was like, it was like nothing happened, but he gave all the credit to Jordan because that's what a leader does. And that is why Tony Khan... Needs a guy in the locker room like a John Moxley to start. But like we were talking earlier, Moxley, I don't think Moxley is scary enough. That's the thing. You have to put the fear of God into people, right? So you get Paul White pissed off. Halfed up on again whippets. Again, I have an I idea. Jose Gonzalez. Let him down. Just go to Puerto Pepe, Rico. But Pepe, Pepe, <laughs> Pepe's not that scary. He's an old man. Okay. No, but what I'm Everyone's saying is, everyone's an old man until they shoot you. But but, but <laughs> no, but in, in reality, what I mean is like you need. Okay, so there's this saying that the the only error that hurts is the first one. The first arrow that hits you is the one that hurts. The second one doesn't hurt. Your brain is using the the, the knowledge of the first arrow to put the pain on this second. It's not scientifically real, but what it means is like, what you make up in your brain is a lot worse than what it really is. And when you have someone, for example, Undertaker in the 90s, early 2000s, that you look at him, and if he tells you the story, who, the... who was it? Who was it? Was it Jared? Yeah, the 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 Jared thing with China. That when he went to that he said that he was gonna jump to China. Taker for the belt, yeah, yeah. Taker escorted him to Gorilla and stayed there, and told him if he didn't drop the belt, when he would be back in the in the locker room, he was gonna fuck him up. Now, was he going to do it? I don't know. But the respect 
and the and the fear was there enough that he did what he had to do. And that's what you need, right? Because and on the other uh, not, not to cut you off, but on the other hand, he also was the one that went down to Vince's office during the screw job and said, You need to fucking talk to Brett. And you yeah. need to fucking talk to him now. Yeah. 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 So he because holds everybody accountable. Everybody. Mm -hmm. And 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 I always try to emulate myself after that in the sense of like I always tell people you can hear anything about me that I did or said, and it's possibly true, except except me being two faced. I am the same asshole to everybody. I, I like. Don't, oh, you're an asshole to me because I'm this. You're an, no, 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 no. I'm an asshole to everybody. The same asshole. My boss. Yeah, that's why people love my, you. My, and, and, right. and, and that's why either people love me or they fucking hate me. I don't care. But that, that was the, 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 the beauty of, of someone like Undertaker, like you said, right? The same way that he told Jeff Jarrett, if you don't do this job, I'm going to fuck you up. With that same hand, he went to Vince, knowing full well that probably something was going to happen. But he knew things have to happen. And he knew it. And, and that is what I believe AEW needs. AEW needs another analogy. The Watchmen. Dr. Manhattan. Right, they say, "Oh, the Russians are never going to bomb us, as long as we have this nuclear deterrent called Mr. Manhattan." Right, so you don't want to have a gun that you have to shoot it all the time to get people to react. You want to have the gun, and people be scared enough of the gun that you don't have to shoot it. And that's what Tony Khan needs in the AEW locker. He needs this veteran guy, but not old, right? Not Mark Henry, not Big Show, not Jericho. They're still in great shape, but they are up there in age. But he needs someone, I would say in his 30s, that... Kind of looks like, let me say, I would say someone like, like a Wardlow, a Powerhouse Hobbs, someone that looks fucking intimidating Miro. to absolutely everybody. Miro. But the problem is that Miro is a sweetheart and you know he's a fucking sweetheart. So it's very difficult to like see him as, but, but yeah, but someone like that, right? Someone that that can just stand there and you know that if you yeah. get out of line he, and he's gonna fuck you up for real you know like Brian Danielson but you ate all of his vegan food I mean and maybe, only left him maybe that'll work but I don't I don't think that'll I don't think that'll work oh he's he's like yes but but no, no he's fickle he's fickle it's fickle. I don't. I don't. Fickle. Think, I don't think that'll work. Um, fickle. 
No, but but he needs something like that. He needs something like that where where people are gonna start falling into line. But it needs to be someone that's gonna tell it to everybody. Yeah, it's gonna tell and it, it has to, to be young the bugs. Yeah, yeah, young bugs. Fucking Jack Perry. Fucking evil one or whatever he's fuck like it has to be evil uno yeah that one it has to be the same for everybody it has to be the same for everybody and i don't think that's gonna happen because no one is going to call the young box on their shit because they know that if they do they won't get booked so well it could have a negative ramification on their career yeah, that's a pretty good deterrent. I mean, it, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging them for 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 doing what you sound doing. like you're judging. No, I understand it. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, that's that's just that's just what's gonna happen, and that's how it'll stay. Simple right. as that. Simple as that. Well, Robert, this has been a ride. This has been a thrill. This has been Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain. Wow. Absolute. All right. Well, yeah, no, it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's always fun coming in and talking, shooting the ship with you guys. Um, when do you hopefully, come back? hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, nothing, nothing bad happens. With anyone that we spoke about today, no. that, <laughs> that we won't have to, we cannot release this one. <laughs> Joey, Ryan, Joey Ryan just comes back. <laughs> I'm not saying anything again. Again, I, by the way, I want everybody to realize I haven't said shit today. Yeah, you haven't. Nothing. Like, I haven't. I haven't said anything. I don't know what You've you're been... talking about. <laughs> Just putting it out there. I have not oh, said yeah. anything. I've not said anything. No, but Robert, um, dude, love you, brother. Thank you uh, for Thank coming you back. Me. Thank you for so and, much for uh, coming on. You know, when can we get you back? Because uh, shooting the shit with you is easy. <laughs> yeah, I Real mean, easy. whatever. Just, just <laughs> let me know in advance. Um, hopefully, I'll, 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 hopefully, I'll be very busy, but I will still be able to make time that's that's how i want it to be i want it to be like you know what i'm super busy but screw the president (laughs) mr president i cannot come to dinner today i have a podcast robert what the hell are you talking about uh you don't need to call me (laughs) mr president you can call me barack uh what is this 2012 why is it barack the president what happened here I thought I was going to see Sleepy Uncle Joe. <laughs> no, you're talking oh, about the wrong person. Be real. The let's, real. Uh, let's be realistic here. Let's just be realistic. <laughs> you know, I will the be best back thing in 2024. Seen, uh, yes. The best thing I've seen in AEW uh-huh. recently was CM Punk as the real world champion. Because yeah. I... I'm the, I'm the real, real president. Yes. yes, the absolute real president. Yes, the, it wasn't. I thought the best thing. I, I also was like the Sky Blue a lot. The, 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 the exploding barbed wire match. I thought that was his favorite. Such a climactic finish. 
So such good shit. When I saw Eddie Kingston, he came out and he said, my friend, don't die. <laughs> I was moved. I was I honestly was shook in <laughs> because that was how shook I it. felt when I that's saw. What, that's what, what my dad said to me when Ivanka was born and she was the most <laughs> beautiful woman in the world. My daughter, <laughs> the most beautiful woman in the world. When I saw my daughter for the first time, yes. Ivana. Ivana, yes. I saw her body and I said, wow. if that baby wasn't mine, yes, I'd date that baby. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I see you, Dan, but here's the thing. He actually said shit like that. He said that I, shit. I know. I know. <laughs> so I know. we're not making shit up. I know we're not. I know. <laughs> the fact is that it's secondhand cringe. Doesn't get any better, buddy. It's yeah. like hearing it again. It's just yeah. like, I can't believe this fucking guy said it. Oh, I can. Well, do you know how I can? Why? Because he's him. Yeah, exactly. He is him. He is he. <laughs> he is a WWE him. Hall of Fame, your famer, mind you. Yes. Yeah. How long is that going to be a thing for? <laughs> as long as he's uh, like uh, profitable and he's giving money to fucking. Uh, Linda and their campaigns and shit. He's gonna. He's gonna. Still he's, stay gonna there. Uh, he's gonna. He's gonna yeah. donate. He's gonna donate. Yep. He's gonna insurrect. That's what he's gonna do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh lord! I don't want him to insurrect in me. <laughs> Vince, <laughs> fuck you! Oh yeah! Look at what that! Was it? Look at that neck fat. He ended up. Uh, it, I think when he they announced that he was coming back was January sixth, so I was expecting him to text Trump, be like, "That's that's how you do an insurrection, pal." You did say that when we were doing a show, yeah. and it was the funniest thing ever. I mean, but that is true. Oh Jesus, they're they're all they're all special men. They are very special men. They are all special. You know, there was a, a, a faction or a tag team, I should say. Uh, between Kenny Omega and Chuck Taylor back in the day. This is a real thing. And they were called Men of Low Moral Fiber. (laughs) So they were the moths? Yep. (laughs) Okay. But that... (laughs) That should be the tag team of Vincent Trump. Men of low moral fiber. I mean, that's good shit right there. If you ask me. That's good shit. That's a good shit. That's a good shit, pal. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. But now, um, right. to answer your question, yeah, probably, hopefully, um, in the next few months, <clears throat> I'll be able to come back and have something a little bit more concrete to show. And, and yeah. We well, no, I mean, you can always just come back and just shoot the shit about wrestling. I mean, that too. Man. Yeah. Just, just, just trying to have a, a special reason for stuff. <laughs> no, 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 no. You grossly misunderstand how professional we are here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not like that. We we don't do it that way. We just whoever. <laughs> no, whenever we have uh, Sin's brother Cobra on here, Cobra Kai, uh, he is one of the greatest people too. 
he owns a promotion up in Canada called WrestleCore. Okay. And uh, that is a, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. His name is Michael Richard Blaze. MRB. Oh, man. He's trained by uh, Tyson Kidd. Tyson Kidd. He's friends with Tyson and Natalia. Okay. Cobra Kai, obviously, is Sin Bodhi's brother. They are friends with Edge and Christian. Okay. And everyone fucking trained in the Heart Dungeon. And he's part of this group, like of this group of people. Yeah. Okay. The dude is fucking incredible. At, at, at the wrestling? No, he's at, a at really fucking good wrestler. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At the at the raps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's got his own training school. Uh it's called Clandestine Society or Clandestine Wrestling Society. Yeah. Um overall fucking amazing dude. Someone I'm surprised you never even heard of, honestly. Because he's very much up your alley. He's a if this ain't working, here we fucking go. I'm going to do a coast to coast on you and you're going to fucking die. Oh, Jesus. That doesn't sound like fun. That doesn't sound like fun at all. Why would anyone want to do that? Because he's good. Because Robert's really good. He's good. But, 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 but if I don't want to do a coast to coast, <laughs> why, why would we do a coast to coast? Well, Robert, it's not about what you want to do. It's about that you have to. No, no consent, man. Consent, consent is very important. There's no I'll, consent here, pal. I don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, fucking coast to coast. Fuck you. Fuck you. Consent is for the weak, pal. Cool. No. <laughs> I'm not gonna You're gonna take the me. goddamn bump. Yeah, that's not gonna work for me, brother. That's not gonna <laughs> work for me. I'm sorry. Stand back. I'm sorry. It's not gonna work for you, bro. It's definitely me. No. Mm-mm. It's like every time a promoter would ask me to like bleed in a match, I'd be like, cool, ten thousand dollars. And then they would never want to give me the ten thousand dollars. <laughs> so I never bled. See? That's that's how I do it. You're that's how I do it. It's genius. I either make ten thousand dollars, or you are the one that says, "Okay, we're not going to do the bleeding spot." See, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. That's all. But speaking of goodbye, mm-hmm. uh, we've kept you long enough. You've kept us enthralled. Yes. I can listen oh, to you speak for hours. In fact, oh wow, I already paid Wait. for the audiobook. Oh wow! <laughs> I don't know the audiobook of what, but okay, sure. Well, it's got your name on it, so. Uh, sure, that works. Well, let's say, let's say that's mine. Let's say that's mine. All right. Yeah. No, it's been it's been a pleasure being here as always. 